And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. And welcome, everybody, to this edition of the Hagman Report on this Monday, April 23rd, 2018. We are back in the studio after a great weekend attending the Occupy 2018 conference in Canton, Ohio. So many great speakers there who have been guests on the show and others who are we are going to bring on the show, from Russ Dizdar to Coach Dave, L.A. Marzulli, Pastor Paul Begley, so many more. We even got a chance to sit down with Stephen Menking and his wife, Courtney, and we had a lot of fun, and we're going to talk about that as we continue to move forward. But we got a great show lined up for you today. We got Tracy Beans and Melissa Honeybee Zachariah coming in at 7.30 to 9, and this is the first time they're going to be on air together doing a, a number of things, number of topics they're going to cover, and uh, really looking forward to that. Also, Peter Chowka will be back with us last Monday. Uh, I believe we had Russ Dizdar in his place as we were filling some of those slots with the speakers from the Occupy Conference. So Peter's going to be back with us today. And check out Hagman Report. He's got some great pieces up there, uh, original pieces that he wrote yesterday and today. And the uh, really interesting one that I know that my dad and I are going to be getting into here is what's going on with the uh, latest with Devin Nunez, the FBI's investigation of President Trump and what information Devin Nunez was given to show what was the basis for the beginning of that investigation and Peter's piece on this, Representative Nunez on Comey, the FBI and the endless investigation of President Trump. The chairman of the House Intelligence Committee went on the record yesterday on the latest issues surrounding the endless investigation of President Trump and his associates and what they, uh, you can go ahead and read the rest of Peter's article there, but what Nunez said was that there was no intelligence that was used to start the official probe against Donald Trump, which is pretty interesting. Now, the shred of official intelligence evidence laid the foundation for the FBI's investigation of any possible collusion between President Trump, his campaign, and Russia, that, according to Devin Nunez, and we're going to make sure we're going to we're going to be getting into this a little bit more. There's been a terror attack in Toronto, leaving nine dead and 16 injured, as a white van was driven up on the sidewalk at a high rate of speed. They're saying, uh, I don't know, 60, 70 miles an hour, and it has left a, a trail of destruction. The name of the terrorist has been released, but they have not said that they can uh, say it was terrorism. Alec. Manassian. Manassian. If this is the same person as what I'm seeing on social media, he's originally from Aleppo, Syria. Is this a returning ISIS fighter? Or is there some other uh, reason or, or motivation for this attack uh, that is yet to be seen? They're, they're pretty tight-lipped as far as what is being reported. But one 
uh, suspect is in custody, the van has been located and all available resources have been mobilized to investigate the situation. They also go on to say, the authorities in Toronto, that there is not a heightened terror threat, especially because there is apparently a NHL playoff hockey game there today, so a lot of people are out. But the Toronto police say that they've arrested a male suspect after a white van mounted a curb in the city's north end, killing nine people, injuring 16 others. Um, Very, very sad, and we're going to get more information as the time rolls on. Also, we have news on the Waffle House shooting yesterday when we were returning from the Occupy conference listening to satellite radio, listening to Fox News, we heard the news of the tragic shooting that took place in Tennessee where a man armed with an AR-15 shot two people outside of a Waffle House, went into the store, went into the restaurant, and shot several others, killing a total of four, injuring four others before tackled and stopped by a true hero. And we're going to talk about uh, his role in this as he was able to wrestle the gun away from the shooter, throwing it over the counter. Now, the shooter got away, but the person who stopped him, uh, from what police say, stopped many more killings from taking place. And, you know, that is always a great thing when you see citizens, regular people, getting in there and making a difference. This man putting his own life on the line in order to save other people's lives and definitely a true hero but they finally had caught the suspect and he was caught with a backpack and a 45 in the backpack but there was a lot of reports when this first came out that the guy was only wearing a green jacket he was he had no pants on some other people said he had pants on some were reporting he was naked but either way a very strange story and that was out of the town uh Antioch Waffle House in Tennessee. Now, shortly after 1 p.m., police announced Ren King, who is the name of the shooter, has been arrested in a wooded, wooded area near Mountain Springs Drive, less than one mile from the scene of the shooting, and close to the Cane Ridge Elementary School. He was booked into jail on $2 million bond. I'm surprised he even got a bond with the uh, fact that he killed four people and attempted to kill several others. So that is uh, pretty much all the, the latest breaking news. And what's really important, again, the terror attack in Canada, we're going to continue to follow what is happening there and what the motivations, at least the uh, uh, reported motivations, were as people dig into his home, his social media, his life. They'll be able to find out exactly what it was that, hopefully exactly what it was that... uh led him to carry out this attack. But again, if I have the right person on social media, it says that he is a resident of a town in Armenia, I believe, but was originally from Aleppo, Syria. Now, we mentioned the Devin Nunez information that no official intelligence was at the basis for the Trump-Russia probe. There's another interesting piece of news coming out of Washington this week weekend that the DNC is filing a lawsuit against Donald Trump, against WikiLeaks, and Russia in a desperate cry for attention. As the Trump-Russia collusion investigation continues to come up empty, the Democratic National Committee, the DNC, which started the ball rolling by helping the Clinton campaign in financing 
the Trump dossier, filed a lawsuit Friday against the Trump campaign, WikiLeaks, and Russia, claiming they colluded to disrupt the 2016 presidential election. The civil, uh, I'm sorry, the civil action is a sure sign that the DNC finally knows what most reasonable people have known for months. The multiple investigations into Trump-Russia collusion are a collection of wild goose chases and will continue to fail to prove collusion. This move by the DNC is such a blatant, desperate attempt to gain attention that even Paul Callan, a legal analyst for CNN, which news outlet can never be accused of being either pro-Trump or anti-DNC, called it a publicity stunt to get information and said it will likely be tossed out of court eventually. WikiLeaks agreed on both points, tweeting Friday that the DNC already has a... uh, a lawsuit which the press has become bored of, hence the need to refile it as a new suit before the midterms. As far as the lawsuit's chances in court, WikiLeaks tweet went out to say that an accurate publisher of newsworthy information, WikiLeaks, is continuously protected from such suits. And it's not just the CNN analyst and WikiLeaks that say the lawsuit is nonsense. A Democratic congresswoman from California, Representative Jackie Speer, says, too, calling the lawsuit a sidebar that is not in the interest of the American people. Now, there are some other interesting reports pertaining to this lawsuit. One is that if this lawsuit is allowed to move forward, that would open the door for a number of things to happen. Uh, Depositions of certain people, like Andrew McCabe, like James Comey, like the DNC personnel, and they would be able to see evidence through the discovery phase. So there is a question as to whether this will be thrown out of court, and if it's not thrown out of court, how much information and how much digging will uh, the people being accused be able to do into the DNC, into the, well, we know, the criminal conspiracy that was the Hillary Clinton campaign, both in the sense that it stole the, the primary election from Bernie Sanders, rigged the primary for Hillary Clinton and the the DNC. And also, uh, one of the latest lawsuits filed was a Federal Elections Commission's lawsuit where $84 million was funneled from the DNC state organizations directly to the Hillary Clinton campaign. And this is a a crime. I mean, if this was any other political candidate, if it was, (laughs) imagine if it was Donald Trump, he would already be in jail uh, based on everything that we see with the investigations coming after him and no evidence of any crime whatsoever but already being convicted in the court of the liberal public opinion especially the mainstream media but this multi-million dollar suit charges that trump campaign officials and the russian government conspired against the democratic party candidate hillary clinton by hacking DNC and Clinton campaign emails, which were then published by WikiLeaks. Again, let me let me read this sentence again, just so people understand what they are claiming. In essence, the multi-million dollar suit charges that the Trump campaign and the Trump campaign officials, along with the Russian government, conspired against Democratic Party candidate Hillary Clinton by hacking the DNC, the Clinton campaign emails, which were then published by WikiLeaks. 
In a press release coinciding with the filing of the suit in Manhattan Federal District Court, DNC Chairman Tom Perez said the Russian government notified the Trump campaign in advance that it had stolen the Democratic emails and other information about the Democratic Party that it was seeking to use in support of Trump's candidacy, adding, rather than reporting Russia's offer to meddle in a U.S. election, the Trump campaign welcomed Russia's help. Anyway, this is just the latest in uh, of actions taken by the DNC, by the Hillary Clinton campaign, out of desperation in an attempt to delegitimize President Trump and make the point that Hillary Clinton should be the rightful you know, queen of America, according to uh, these people. But what could be accomplished, even if this were true? What does the DNC hope to accomplish by filing a civil suit? But does this also open them up to what many have said, like Roger Stone, that they could turn around and themselves, from DNC party officials to the Hillary Clinton campaign officials, to uh, a discovery and also evidence that has not yet been turned over or made public, would that open them up to having to turn that evidence over to the people they are suing, <clears throat> as is standard practice in discovery? Either way, it's a very uh, interesting case situation where, I mean, what, what grounds the, the the most corrupt organization who was behind the most corrupt political candidate for president in American history. They wouldn't even turn over their servers to the FBI. Yet they're going to sit here and say, through a lawsuit, that they were conspired against in an attempt to steal the election away from Hillary Clinton. Isn't everything we see them say and do and accuse President Trump of? Can't, has it not been proven that these people were, were guilty of those same things? They were guilty of the conspiracies. They were guilty of rigging the election. They were guilty of collusion. But why do they continue to do this? Why do they continue to subject themselves, uh, you know, to these, not only these PR beatings, but they're really going to launch a civil suit against some Russians and WikiLeaks? It makes no sense whatsoever. They're grasping at straws as the Mueller investigation is falling apart. Oh, and also, Rudy Giuliani. He has been brought on to the Trump team and apparently is very eager to get Robert Mueller to close his investigation. Will he be effective in doing so? And I don't know how many people saw what Jeff Sessions said earlier or late last week but he mentioned that if Rod Rosenstein is fired, he would step down. Talk about uh, a way to get... Wait, you know, who would step down? Stone. Jeff Sessions said that if Rod Rosenstein, if President Trump fired Rosenstein, that Sessions would resign. Okay. Fire right. Rosenstein exactly. right right, right, flipping now. Get rid of Rosenstein. Sessions, bye-bye. Yep. You look, I know, trust Sessions. Trust the plan. I get it. I understand that, but I'll tell you something, all right? Uh, we are looking at, at, at something going at a snail's pace. The coup is failing. The coup against Donald Trump is failing. The coup against the American people is failing. We have to get, we have to, you know, justice delayed is justice denied. Is it not? Stop delaying justice. Bring Rosen. Look, the the uh, the criminal referrals right now. I, I spoke about this this morning. The criminal referrals against uh, McCabe are going to have this ripple effect outward. 
And in in this rippling, there will be Comey. There will be Rosenstein. How dare Rosenstein, by the way, sign a warrant, sign the, the Cohen warrant, ultimately? How dare him? Uh, and, and what the heck? Sessions, who should have been the signatory on the on the on the uh, uh, the warrant for Cohen, Sessions didn't. Why? Ostensibly, perhaps because he was what he recused himself from Russia. The, the, all things Russia. This was not about Russia. It hasn't been about Russia for the past three hundred and thirty. Uh, let me just double check here. Three hundred and forty-one days. You see, we've had a president in office for four hundred and fifty-nine days. Three hundred and forty-one of those uh, days, we've had a special counsel that has been doing everything in his power to uh, toss Donald Trump. This is not about Russia. This is about deep state. Payback, Valerie Jarrett style. We're going to get him. That's what this is about. So, yeah, go ahead. Fire Rosenstein Sessions. Bye-bye. Hey, don't let the uh, door hit you on the, on the butt on the way out. All right. And uh, let's just clean house. Now, yep. one of the things, too, this, this leads to Bolton in a way, in kind of this convoluted sort of way. It leads to Bolton because Bolton... It, for regardless if you think he's a neocon or it doesn't matter, what, what is Bolton doing? What did Bolton do day one? Started cleaning the house. You pack your stuff up. See, let me tell you something. I'd last in the White House maybe about fifteen minutes. Maybe that might be in seconds. I don't know. All right, everybody, pack your stuff. You're out of here. And, and and then have a place fumigated, especially after Obama. <laughs> All right. And, and and by the way, Pastor Paul Begley, um, to those people who who just embrace uh, 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 right wing watch and 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 Snopes and places like that, and say, well, there's really not, you know, uh, Donald Trump didn't have an exorcism, you know, uh, upon entering the White House. Look, I, I, not only did Pastor Paul Begley talk about this, and then right wing watch says, oh, he's Pastor Paul Bagley's just full of crap, and Snopes full of crap. Well, I'll tell you something. No, it wasn't one of these exorcisms, Linda Blair style, you know, exorcisms. No, it was removing the idols and the and the and the crap out of the, of the White House, except for one item. And I'm not going to get any further than that. Paul, Paul talks about this, but but. Um, yeah, get rid of everything, pack your boxes and go. Pack and put all in fact uh I think he can still do that. But but okay, so you're right with this. Um but how dare Rosenstein sign the uh the warrant when you had Hillary Clinton sitting with Heather Samuelson on one side and Cheryl Mills on the other, both attorneys, neither one representing Hillary Clinton and both claiming attorney client privilege. Yet Cohen an actual attorney for Donald Trump, the sanctity of the office, or the sanctity of criminal, or the uh, sanctity of the uh, attorney-client privilege is gone. So, anyway, I just want to mention that, and I just want to mention one other thing, because um, I know that you, you covered a lot of ground in the first couple of minutes. I want to thank everyone. First of all, I want to thank Coach Dave Dobmeyer, America's coach. America's coach, Coach Dave Dobmeyer, is America's coach. I want to thank him for assembling uh, just a terrific conference. I want to thank each and every one of you for attending, who did attend. I want to thank you for your kindness to us. Mm-hmm. Everybody was awesome. I, I want to say, I want to say this. Um, 
the people that I saw there and I spoke with there, uh, I, I can honestly say everyone that, that I saw, I spoke with, above average intellect, above average awareness, above average everything, cream of the crop in terms of the people who were there, as well as the speakers. Bill Federer just blew me away. Uh, his information. And I, I was, I, I just kidding him in, in the green room. I said, Bill, I have a, I have a USB drive. Where do I plug it in on you? <laughs> I need to download everything that you, because his presentation was just amazing. Mine, and, and well, I don't know. Those who didn't get to go to the Occupy conference, when we had Bill Federer on just, uh, maybe a week ago, he did a very similar presentation on this show for what he did at the conference. So if you want a, a preview, if you want a great idea of, of what he talked about in uh, ahead of the DVD coming out, go watch the segmented piece of Bill Federer on the Hagman Report. It was it was awesome. But, Dad, I want to ask you this. Um, the DNC lawsuit, the civil lawsuit. Welcome to, welcome to, to welcome, <laughs> look, 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 right. welcome to the party, guys. But how can they get? <laughs> and it's guess, they're coming for you. Away with but, by the way, okay. Now I see the chat here. Okay, how much? We, we got just a few minutes before the bottom of the hour. In the chat, type in a, an A, just a simple letter A, if you were at the Occupy 2018 conference. Okay, I got to ask this question. Uh, all right. I guess I, we're on a lag here, right? So, but I, I have a question to ask. Twenty seconds. All right. What's that, Eric? When are you going to hook up that microphone? All right. You know, yeah, Eric, we, we, do I need to call, like, uh, the Geek Squad or something? <laughs> yeah. Is that what I need to do? I know, Look, I know you're busy. Uh, I do. We're going to get Eric hooked up with the right. mic. He's got a mic. He's going to be wired up sooner than later here. All right. Well, uh, okay, Bugs and Jack, thanks, thanks a lot. You're a good sense of humor, B, right? B. So, I guess. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, well, here's my question because here's what I want to know. I I, I pulled a Steve Quayle. I, I got I, and I, I told Steve this. You know, I pulled a Steve Quayle. I had notes. I had everything written out perfectly, and I, I listened to I listened to Bill Federer Friday night, and then and then Coach and everyone else on Saturday, and Joe and John, and I listened to all them, and and uh, I listened to everybody. And I thought, man, what I've got right here is not in the same chord as the conference. In other words, it, it, the harmony, just a little bit off. I'd be, you know, because I was going to be, I was going to be talking about the depth of the coup in, in America and a, kind of like an extension of my, my morning show. So five minutes before the, before us go on, I, I took my notes and tossed them. I said, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm going to just speak from the heart. And so the, the, the reason I, I was asking is if anyone thought it was, if I, if I, I guess I want to know the degree of suck. Um, was it, was it really that bad? But I thought I had a good time. By the way, coach, I officially accept your designation as the godfather of the deplorables. I, I, I officially accept that. Godfather of the deplorables. Thank you so much. But you're still America's coach. You, all, you always will be. But the speakers, the, the people there are fantastic people. And we need to do more of those, I believe, because people do need to be red-pilled. Speaking of red pill, Red Pill Expo. Red Pill Expo. Folks, sign up for Red Pill Expo. It's never been easier. Do it through Hagman. Here's the deal. You get, you, you get a special deal. If you go to redpillexpo.org, it's Red Pill Expo. 
and to use the promo code Hagman. It's right there on our, right here on our website, HagmanReport.com is the link, redpillexpo.org. Use the promo code Hagman. It's a special deal. You get, you get discounted tickets. You gotta go. You gotta go. Spokane, Washington. I've never been, but we gotta go. Red Pill yeah. Expo. Use the promo code Hagman. You gotta do it. Uh, please. Get red pilled. And you know what? Bring somebody with you. Bring your neighbor. Bring the crazy, bring the crazy uncle that's living in your attic. <laughs> it's, uh, last yeah. week, uh, uh Thursday or Friday, I'm not sure which day it was, or uh, I I know it was last week, Barbara Bush died. Well, it's being reported now that George H.W. Bush is in intensive care in, at a Houston hospital with some kind of blood infection. And, uh, you know, often we see elderly couples who've been married for a long time that die within close proximity of each other, and I wonder if that's not the case with... Uh, George H.W. Bush, he's been sick for a long time. You know, Joe, I, I would believe that in any normal family. Right, right. Okay, and I have to say this. It's, it's this is not everything, a normal Everything is not as it appears with the... Uh, I pray for the soul of Barbara Bush, and I pray for the redemption of George H.W. Bush, but everything is not what it appears to be. Yeah, yeah. please understand that. And I'm not... Uh, no, I, I'm, I agree. I uh, agree. This is not a... It's very sad. Anyone who should pass who let's say embraces a a, a a belief system of a wiccan belief system or a of any other anything but the only way to heaven in my view i mean we need to pray we need to pray for their conversion while they're alive and their souls yeah so, again uh, the terror attack in toronto nine dead 16 injured they have arrested a male suspect and they have released his name now, there was some confusion as far as the social media Facebook page. I guess there are several people with this name. As in uh, one person, they tried to link this person's Facebook account to the attacker, and he's posting, leave me and my family alone. I'm not the guy. But I think I found the uh, – I took a screenshot of his actual – the yeah, actual terrorist Facebook page. Don't post it because we don't know. No, I'm not going to post gonna it. It's going to be authenticated. I'm going to send it to Eric, but we're going to leave it in a – in a file until we can verify 100% sure that it is the same person as the attacker. But the, the guy was identified as Alec Manassian, 25 years old, according to sources uh, told ABC News. And from if I have the same guy, he is from Aleppo. Many people are speculating that he was a returned ISIS fighter. And I don't know what that's okay, being based on. This of. is this is all alleged. Right, at the it's moment. all speculation, except the name. But when we come back, we'll continue to, to update you on the uh, latest out of Toronto, as well as being joined by Melissa Zachariah, the Honeybee, and Tracy Beans, tag teaming it together for the first time. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. No music, no intro. We understand that there's some buffering issues. We're working on that. That could be on our end. We apologize. And, uh, we're having some network issues. We are under, under, uh, under attack in a sense. It's not a technical thing. I mean, it's a technical thing, but it's not a, 
uh, oh, we didn't plug something in right or turn a knob right. Eric, the tech is always in, always on top of things. So if you are having issues, um, I would suggest a blog talk radio or global star for just go to hagmanreport.com. There are listening and viewing options there. It's very simple. Hagmanreport.com. Hagmanreport.com. Click on the show page and you got it. You got it. We'll roll with this. Um, so. Uh, thank you very much again. I just want to reiterate this. Thank you so much, Coach Dave Dobmeyer, for the invitation for allowing us the privilege of being a part of your conference. Occupy 18, it was a, it was a great success. Stuart Rhodes, by the way, I had a long conversation yeah, with Stuart Rhodes. He was there. We got to meet him. Yeah, and uh, let me tell you something. The Oath Keepers are doing some, some fantastic work. We have some interviews that, uh, back, back room interviews with L.A. Marzulli, with Stuart Rhodes. Those will be up very shortly. You gotta watch for them. Backroom interviews. Oh. Alright. Uh, before we bring on, uh, or before we had, let us know when, when we've got our people ready, uh, our guests ready. Yeah, Tracy Beans and, and, uh, Melissa Zachariah, the honeybee, joining forces together for the first time on an interview. We're gonna be talking about a number of things regarding, uh, the, the sex and human trafficking related to backpage.com. And the takedown of that, as well as the women's march's defense of Backpage, and regardless, they're ignoring the fact that um, human trafficking and child pornography was going on, and they're saying this is a uh, basically a, a strike against women's rights. <laughs> Sex rights is women's rights, is what they claim, and it's just disgusting. And what's that? Oh, yes, yeah, they yeah. yeah. And they're they going to be joining us. Melissa and Tracy Beans and, are together. And Melissa, Melissa was up here in our studio last year. And, uh, Melissa is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person. Tracy Beans is an amazing, wonderful, equally wonderful person. Both together. Man, force multiplication here. And, 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 you know, you get, you get, you get Tracy Beans and Melissa Zachariah together. Alright, and you get them on your tail. I, I, I feel, I would feel, I feel sorry for you. I really do. Cause they don't stop. And I just want to thank both of them for their services, investigative journalists as, as, uh, uh, citizen journalists. I just want to say thank you for what you do ahead of their appearance. And we did get an okay, right? Okay. So with without any further ado, we have Tracy Beans and Melissa Zachariah, two pioneers, tip of the spear people, going after the grunge in the uh, deep state. Welcome, both of you. Hi. Hey, what's going on, Doug and Joe? We love you equally as much. We talk about you guys all the time, and it's always a great pleasure to be here with you. You know, for those of, for those of you out there, they're both in the same room. Okay, so there. We'll put the rumors to rest. <laughs> well, uh, it's it's great to see you both. Um, uh, you guys are tremendous. And you, can I ask? Okay, well, for those of, I can't believe anyone doesn't know who Tracy Beans and Melissa Zachariah are. The Honeybee and Tracy Beans. Maybe we should start out, start out with just a maybe short intro and why you're together and. Uh, uh, Tracy, you've got uh, your channel, Tracy Beans. You look into all sorts of corruption, deep state corruption. Melissa, you look into uh, uh, the same thing uh, with the in, in both together, but, but Melissa, especially head of Kids Inc. or the uh, uh, the one behind Kids Inc. the film, the documentary. 
Uh, but you, you also uh, go after the, 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 the real deep, dark stuff on the Internet, the, the pedophiles. Do, do I have that about right? I mean, and, and throw, in, uh, throw in whatever extra you'd like. And by the way, again, tell us why you're together. Sure, I'll, I'll start. I, um, I've actually maintained a great friendship with Tracy for quite a while now. Uh, we're both very much involved in making a difference in any way that we can, um, whether it's political. I know Tracy does a little bit more on that end, um, but I've kind of tackled more of the sex trafficking um, and kind of making the awareness a little bit more uh, on the ground for people to learn how to get involved um, and whatnot. And Tracy does the same thing, um, just really bringing the unity together and all of us working together. It's a very important part of this truth movement with the new media, um, you know, taking it back to the people. Um, that's something that's very important to both of us. Um, I'm making a documentary with Anthony Cadorniga, who you've, you've had on the show many times. Well, he was here with you in the studio, it. right? Yep. Yeah, he's actually over here. here. Come here. Using uh, some, he's trying to put together some equipment. There he is. Hey, Anthony. Hey, Anthony. Looking good, buddy. This guy, this guy's a. I love this guy. I mean, he's a. He's a he loves you. Oh man, he's a, love you too. All right, brother. He's a. He's a riot. He's usually too. in a suit. He's usually in a suit when he comes on your show. He's a. Little, he's a little downtime right now. That's all right, man. Still effective as ever, though. So what a crew, what an effective crew. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt, but thank you for bringing it up there. No, it is an effective operation um, because we're actually getting together and doing things together. I mean, we're with Tracy this week because we're actually having her featured in our documentary, and she had some really great information to share with us on her end of her research. Um, And we're, you know, we're making the rounds. We've actually traveled a lot in the last seven or eight months. Um, talking to other researchers, talking to families, and getting their perspective on the business of selling children, which is why we called the documentary Kids, Inc., um, and that should be out by July, and we're really excited to, to show that to everybody. And, um, yeah, we, we love Tracy, and uh, I, wa- I want to hear about Tracy now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I always say, like, what I do is, is so much different than what, what B does, and I call her B affectionately, but... um. It, there's there's a difference in what we do, but there's a, a huge similarity as well. I mean, the courage that this woman shows on a daily basis, along with her her friends here that that do such an amazing job for our kids. It's 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 a it's a subject that's really hard to work to work on. And um, while I deal with the political corruption and the political end of things for the majority of my time, I too have delved into this horrific topic and to see her put her feet down on the pavement and pound that pavement has been an inspiration to me the woman is inspirational i am blessed to be sitting next to her right now and thank you so much for having us on tonight I, it's she, what she does takes so much courage what they do takes so much courage and i'm i'm just i'm honored you guys have given us a platform to sit here together and talk to you tonight we'd be fools not to and <laughs> the story we'd be fools not to Joe, you were going to say I, I, no. Just to say, we're we're honored as well, and I want to kind of jump right in into this back page issue. Uh, uh, both your mind, great minds, you've been on top of this uh, from the beginning of the 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 Pizzagate, Pedogate conspiracy to uh, the sex and human trafficking since the Donald Trump agenda, uh, and now we see this this whole back page issue, and this is really concerning because here we have a website. That has been used not only for one child prostitution, but also uh, prostitution and human trafficking 
and and sex slavery, if you will. And one of the things that we've seen and have learned, a few things that we've learned about Backpage, one, the two co-founders who were arrested and charged on, I think, 93 counts of federal charges, worked as confidential informants for the FBI and also received some kind of award from them. Is that correct? Uh, you're cutting out, Joe. Can you repeat that last part again? Yeah, the uh, the Backpage.com co-founders, they who were charged with the 93 federal counts, were they confidential informants for the FBI, and did they receive some kind of, kind of an award from the FBI? Yeah, it seems that um, Mueller actually gave um, Backpage an award for their, you know, their work on helping with, um, it seems to be some sort of trafficking or online safety. Um, I'm actually not sure what the date of that was. Uh, it was actually very disturbing to see that they had already kind of known that there was an issue with Backpage, but instead of actually deeping, digging a little deeper uh, into what they were doing, they decided to give them an award for their work and, and helping make online safe for, for the people. Um, it, it's kind of a, a funny little twist to this story because both the owner and the corner are now in um, in you know federal federal court now for aiding and abetting um, sex trafficking, uh, which was condoned for many, many years. Um, you know, there's, I mean, there's so much to this case that's been going on in the public's eye for a very long time. This isn't like a new thing that just came up. Um, it's just they changed federal law to actually get Backpage to be responsible for what was going on. No, okay. S- some might argue, and, I, and I've heard this argument, in fact, I'm living on the other side of this argument. Uh, are you? Does, does, uh, I guess I'll present this in the form of a question. Does this have anything to do with uh, any kind of push to revise Section 230 of the Commun- uh, Communications Decency Act? You better believe it. Okay, Let, let's go there for a moment, uh, because sure. I, I, I am, I am, uh, I don't agree with that. Okay, I don't agree with any revisions of Section 230 of the CDA. That mm-hmm. now, for reasons, it be because here's why, very simply, that um, that will cast a chill on programs like ours. Mm-hmm. Okay, although I, I can understand the perceived intent, I don't think that's the intent itself. But mm-hmm. you guys go ahead and respond to that. You, you know what's crazy about it to me as a libertarian is. Um, the confliction behind it, given what they've used it for now with Backpage and given what it can be used for in the future. I mean, the biggest thing that I've always said is that the more power you hand to government, the more they will take from you. The more you give them permission to take over your life, the more they'll take. In in this instance, it's it's worked out to our benefit, but in the future, it may not be so. And so it's been, how do you come out and say you're not for, like you just did so bravely, how do you come out and say you're not for X which will stop trafficking. It, people paint you as your your for human trafficking, and and there's a large swath of of a certain group that hangs over to this side of me that is saying the same thing that sex workers' rights are being taken advantage of, mm-hmm. and in terms of media, what the damage could be. And it's such a double edged sword, Doug. It really is. I mean, you know, this is a great thing. What's happened? The fact that they've been able to kind of crack down on this. But at the same time, the way they've done it is really scary. Just it just is it, I, my thoughts. It, and I just want to interject this. 
you, you folks can continue. People, uh, if you don't know, folks, if you don't know what the, the Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, it immunizes the platform uh, from liability for comments, for content, generally for content. Um, so, in other words, if if you have a web, I'm just using this as an extreme example, just to just to be clear with everyone out there listening. If you've got a, if you, if well, if you've got a website and and you accept comments, and so one of the comments says, "I want to kill." President Trump, or I want to kill Obama, or whatever, or something very offensive. Uh, in fact, libelous, slander, or uh, libelous, or offensive. The uh, 230 immunizes the website owner, or the forum owner, against the commenter, against the content of the commenter. Now, if that if that flips, it's very possible that you could be held liable for something you have nothing to do with. So I just want to make that mm-hmm. clarification. And perhaps I, that was a cumbersome explanation, but I think it's important to understand. No, it, it is, and, and it's, it's a rough one. Yeah. It's a really rough one. <laughs> it is. And for me, my opinion of the FOSTA-SESTA, which is to me, it, it's a Frankenstein nightmare that on the on the front of it looks like, um, you know, it, it, it says, like, victims are able now to... Um, make civil suits against the uh, platforms that were allowing sex traffickers to sell them. So, I mean, this for many people uh, is justice for them. I get that. But did we really have to change uh, freedom of speech? Um, and, you know, this was really helping the platforms not censor as much as they're going to now. I mean, you've got to understand that because this is signed into law last week, that platforms like Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and smaller platforms that can't afford yeah. uh, robots and, and technology to like moderate on the massive scale that they needed to, they're going to over-censor now. And I've talked about this many times. Um, I use the words child and sex in the same sentence, not because I'm trying to sell children or because I'm looking for child pornography or trying to promote that, but because the important information that I'm trying to share is, is that's what it is. It's child sexual exploitation. So a robot is not going to be able to, to understand the context of what I'm saying. So there is a great danger uh, in this type of over censorship that's that I believe we're going to start seeing very quickly. I mean they 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 have already had attacks on vote this past week. It's been down all week. Um, Reddit deleted uh, a number of, of channels um, and subverses immediately after the the bill was passed uh, a few months ago. So you know this is it is a double edged sword, like Tracy was saying, because you on the one hand back page finally it's it's been taken down, but on the other hand we're we're going to be seeing a lot of changes on the internet, and it is in danger of of being over censored because of this very law. Very I, I always say I always say too, it's you know. W- when there's a, a an administration in power that you kind of align with that that is doing good, like we I, I believe we have now that really is trying to do the right thing, and they enact certain re- legislation, um, you have to always be cognizant that even down the road that will change. And I'm sure that the intent was not to censor when they, given everything that we're dealing with right now on the at, at least on the conservative side from my perspective. 
I, I'm sure the intent wasn't to censor, but they, the, the unintended consequences. Um, I'll give you an example. When I lived in New York and they, pa- they passed the SAFE Act at midnight, basically completely destroying gun rights in New York City and New York as a whole, they forgot to take out a clause in there that, that basically disallowed law enforcement officers for ha- from having magazines with more than like six rounds, let's just say. They did that by accident because they rushed it through. I just worry that this sort of thing is not thought about um, for for future for future application and and how it can be misused and how it can be kind of tainted and twisted to be used for something that it wasn't intended for. Which is why I've always spoken out against the Internet Bill of Rights, which everyone hates me for. But hey, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we have a Bill of Rights. I know. <laughs> I, I love it. You, you know, this level of intellectual discussion allows for disagreement. And, you know, it, it, it stimulates that discussion that's necessary to arrive at a, at a mutually uh, uh, acceptable conclusion. And I think that you know, this is what's lacking, by the way, in my view, with the, with the lobotomized liberals. So, or the people who just want the, won't want to uh, tell us what to do, the power grab. So, uh, uh, so it's okay to it's okay to disagree without being disagreeable. I, I love it too. And you know, Tracy and I don't agree on on everything that uh, um, uh, that that we talk about. Not, not I mean, there are very few things that we disagree upon, but uh, or disagree with. But uh, it's okay because it stimulates. But I always like to say, if, you know, if, if everyone in the room is saying the same thing, then only one person is really thinking, and uh, you know, so that's good. All right. Great, it's the way we learn, right? But exactly. I mean, iron shop sharpens iron, man. You know, you're uh, so, and you two, and, and us. I mean, this is how. This is the to me that this is the ultimate um, venue. This is the ultimate. This breeds such great discussion and, and results. Uh, I love it. And by the way, I'm going to make sure I, I'm going to take a screen capture of what I'm seeing on the monitor, you guys, and I'm going to make sure I'm going to put it on the office wall because this is historic having you both in the same room. But uh, I don't want to take your time up. We don't want to take your time up. Um, so let's continue with let's continue on here. Um, Tracy, I'm going to toss it to you, and then you you guys go back and forth as to what you know because I've got talking points here, but I just want to yeah, just let, let her rip, Tracy. Oh, so you want me to talk about something? Anything. Let's talk about recipes. No, you know, again, we were talking about Backpage a little bit, and then we kind of strayed from that. From that, but um, So anything from there, you know, uh, what you're doing and, and what the issues are with that and the child the, the child trafficking and such, um, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, so one of the things that we were talking about this evening when I was blessed to be filmed for this amazing project that they're doing is um, is – what do we do now? Like, what has changed, basically? Move, you know, what has changed in the past 10 months to a year? How is, how is this more out in the open? I think, you know, one of the things that I've tried to kind of say is that this is not a topic that people want to talk about. This is something really difficult. It's really hard to wrap your head around. It's really kind of, it's like the last thing that you want to believe actually happens on this planet is, is, the abuse of children, even even sometimes adolescents in their late teens or even adults in some cases, um, the, the sad thing is that this does happen and we need to do something about it. And I think that 
a lot of the reason why there's pushback against it is that people just, it's uncomfortable. And people don't want to think about this. This is not something that people want to spend their time thinking about, but it's something that we need to raise awareness um, to. And it's so often the conspiracy label is used as some sort of a blanket to cover this up. This is not conspiracy. I, I wish it was. If it were conspiracy, we wouldn't be sitting here in the same room together making a documentary about what's going on in this country and all, all over the world. Um, I think it's time for people to get a little more brave and really combat this, um, you know, one foot in front of the other and really do something about it. And I think that from the political standpoint where I spend a lot of my time, uh, President Trump has really done more than anyone else I've seen in, in recent history to try and stop this from happening. Um, the executive order, cutting off the money supply, going after MS-13, all of the things that he's been doing that everyone has not wanted to pay attention to on the other side that he's doing right now to stop this. He made it a forefront. He made it a focal point of his administration. That, to me, takes a lot of courage, given what we know about the political sphere and how it works. So I, I would be honestly interested to hear your thoughts about that. Well, no, you're exactly right that it takes a tremendous amount of courage, especially for you know, the president to get up and, and to make this uh, a priority in his agenda. But I, I also say this, that, as you said, many people don't want to deal with the reality of, uh, you know, pedophilia, of child sex trafficking, and they'll bury their heads, they'll avoid it. What can we do not only to make people more aware of the problem, but also to get them involved in helping to root out these predators? I think that we're actually seeing it happen now. Just over the last two months, um, the amount of, of accounts, uh, specifically on Twitter, that have just joined, and I'm not talking about the Russian robot accounts that <laughs> of the, the great purge of January, February, but actual people that have been listening to my message, that have been listening to Tracy's message and your message, um, to get to get out there and find networks of people uh, to do this, you know, work with and spreading awareness. I've I've gained a lot of new following, and they're listening. I say, go on Twitter, find me there, start retweeting, start reading articles that I'm putting out there, that you know, tweets that that Tracy puts out there, up to date news information that's not being reported on the mainstream media. People are are shutting off the television turning off the radio and they're tuning into what they believe is important for our country and that is the most beautiful thing I think that I've ever seen in my life it, it reminds me you know of the aftermath of maybe the movie The Network you know what happened after that when the guy came on the news and he's saying you know you gotta get mad damn it you know we gotta do something about it. I'm not gonna take it anymore people aren't taking it anymore so I would suggest um, you know getting your involved in online uh, groups of people, whether it's on Facebook. I know that that's really a popular place. I am on there ever so often, but there's little groups and, and they do uh, their own fundraising and they, they send out emails. There's Even YouTube is a great place to go, even though they're censoring half of the stuff we're putting up. Um, it's a good place to start to get some understanding.
understanding on what's going on. And then when you start getting up in the ladder a little bit and understanding um, that there's lots of other platforms that are out there. You know, I belong to BitChute, which is a new, and Tracy is on there as well. So is Liberty Columnist, which is Anthony, the director of Kids, Inc. Uh, we went there last year. Uh, where they use BitTorrent and we're able to, to preserve our YouTube videos there um, when they get shut down. Um, Steam it, vote. Uh, th- there are places to go that stand for free speech. And a lot of these developers um, started these platforms to preserve that. Um, they're, you know, they're not big million dollar companies throwing commercials up every five minutes. Um, that, you know, they're in the works. A lot of them are in beta. Um, but it's more of the, the moral of the story is that people are taking their talents, uh, and instead of letting it be, uh, taken advantage of or capitalized on by the man, um, we're, we're taking it to the streets with each other and sharing our ideas and, and working with each other. So, um, I think, you know, even having marches, I mean, Tracy just put together a fantastic march, and I'd love to hear you <laughs> update them on that. That was, I actually did get a chance to do did that. Did you? Yeah, she okay. came on right after, uh, the, I think the following day or the it day was after. Monday that. after. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know we, we, we kind of argued a little bit earlier about how we both don't watch or <laughs> tweet, read each other's tweets as often as we should. We do need to start doing that. I was that. like, did you know I met the president? She goes, what? <laughs> no idea. She's like, there's like four videos of it on Twitter. <laughs> but no, we talk on the fine. phone a lot and it's usually like, you know. <laughs> well, that, that's kind of like, you know, though, we're, we're in, a, we're in an um, environment where it's difficult because it's almost like trying to drink from a fire hose. Yeah. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. there's so much information and, um, you, you know, you, even some of the closest people to me, I can't, you know, it's, you said it's what, so man? You know, yeah. Great, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, we did some cooking tonight. We did a few periscopes, a little fun. I arrived on the scene yesterday, and I saw Anthony sleeping in the car. So I made a funny <laughs> video about scaring him while he was sleeping in the car, just like these little <laughs> moments of um, just freedom to to have, you know, happiness and uh, friendship. You know, that is really an important thing. It isn't always gloom and doom with our team. We try to, to be there for each other on even personal things. And I think that kind of fellowship together is, is really what's motivating us because we're all, we're on the same team. We all want the same things. And, um, it's really easy to be friends with Tracy. Oh. Uh, we have, <laughs> we have a good time. You know, Thank we, you. we laugh and, you know, it's, um, it was very natural because, uh, all of the, the stuff that we deal with separately, you know, with our channels and, and our followings, um, we kind of don't even need to talk about that when it's like kind of like a break, I guess. Yeah. Kind of take, take a, take a five, take a knee. That's the thing about the March two and this. I know we're taking over your show now, Doc. No, no, please, <laughs> please do. This is what this Treating is all about. Things. So please. <laughs> One of the cool things about like, you know, we're just regular people. Like I keep honey saying beans. that all the time. Honey beans, everyone saying honey beans. That's so cute. Honey beans. Yeah, oh, I, I like love that. it. Um, <laughs> we, we, you know, we're just normal people. And just to, like, I've been talking to you for like three years now. So to get to actually spend time with you in person, I've never met you before this mm-hmm. time. 
Oh, and I keep doing that. I keep knocking this headphone out of my ear. But um, I think it's 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 really amazing, like to be able to meet people in person. Like that's the one thing I took away from my march is being able to meet so many fantastic and energized people that came from all over the country and spent their hard-earned dollars to be in one place. Like these guys are funding themselves, and like God bless the people that have donated to their cause and everything. And they're they're traveling all over the country to make something so amazing happen. Um, it, it always seems almost like. You know, there's so much negative and so much bad stuff that happens all the time, but there are things like this that happen where you get these like-minded people together who care about the future and want to make a difference in the world, and, and you guys allow us a platform to talk to your audience. I mean, how can you beat this? You really can't. It's love. You this, can't beat this, that. This, we, we are fighting the war. We're, this is the pushback. And you, you two are very integral, along with Anthony, um, in, in this war that, in which we're fighting. And, and you guys being in the same place at the same time, it's just, it's just a force multiplier. I've got to say that. So, um, it, it really is. And, and you guys, you guys too, um, to have, to have you folks on some of someone's tail, uh, God help them. God help them. Yeah. I want to ask you guys this. <clears throat> when you're dealing with, uh, you know, this such a horrible subject and you guys have been on the, just the tip of the spear when dealing with the the pedophilia issue and the child sex trafficking and, and something we ran into over the weekend at the Occupy conference was this uh, people who who get into this and are, are trying to bring these networks down run into the same problems which is corruption at the law enforcement level we see the normalization of, of pedophilia being pushed on the American people but the other side of this what we what we hear about but never it's never followed up on is you know you see all this uh child pornographic stuff coming from the pentagon you see people who uh in these stings a lot of times law enforcement can get caught up in these things and be on the wrong side of this how much do you think uh of of corruption at the federal level or how much or how much federal involvement is there in the, these pedophilia rings, in, in a corrupt way, I guess that's kind of I a bad feel, way to ask that question. But yeah, I feel that um, <laughs> the pedophilia epidemic in itself is is everywhere. Um, the the issue is you most people think it's just some creepy guy in in a you know a dark alley or you know what I mean the the typical the forty year old male with the big thick glasses and the leather, you know, brown leather coat or something. You know what I mean? That's the kind of image they put out there. And I think they do that to cover up the reality that uh, this is uh, something that has been going on for <clears throat> hundreds of years within the elite power structure. Um, you know, you look back into uh, Greek um, royal society, um, even in uh, medieval ages, the page boys and things like that, uh, pedophilia was very normal at that point as well. Um, I believe because we have moved forward in time and we live longer and we've become more intelligent, talented, technology, uh, you know, it, it's endless what we're capable as humans, that, you know, what we can dream of doing is possible, uh, that we're still, you know, some th these pedophile groups are still using that argument, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, it, it's been around forever. Well, what it really does now that science is teaching us is that it, it destroys a child's body physically, emotionally, and mentally. Um, so going back to the elite part of this, or not even the elite, 
people that are supposed to protect and serve. That, that to me is the most uh, disturbing uh, part of this when I see um, a police officer or someone in, um, in federal capacity. I mean, Craig Sawyer just arrested a federal agent uh, a few yeah. months ago in Connecticut who um, trying to buy a little girl that they had decoying for them for Contraland for his new series that's coming out soon. Um, stuff like that, you know, when you see the head of the House of Representatives, uh, Dennis Haster, you know, and the judge scolding him for being a disgusting pedophile, but then goes to jail for money laundering. Um, that kind of stuff, uh, it's not only disturbing, it's absolutely abhorrent and it's unacceptable um, that some of these guys, and you guys may have seen my, my past research, like when I first started, uh, just looking into local officials, even in the D.C. area, who were arrested and convicted of child pornography or child rape and molestation um, that were, you know, seemingly done working in the government. But and they're working, again, whether it's private contracting or right back into the, the force. I mean, Heather right now is working on a case uh, in her county in Georgia where, I mean, this officer... Uh, you know, he, he, he was arrested for some serious child molestation and rape. And it's just put under the rug. And the paperwork is buried. And nobody knows the difference. And they continue to, to do their but thing. that's not true. Sounds like the, you uh, know church, the, difference. the Catholic right. Church. Right. Well, we know the difference. <laughs> and you have a big mouth. I do have a big mouth. No, <laughs> See, a, that's the thing. It sounds like the Catholic Church where, where priests uh, who get caught molesting children instead of being uh, handed over to the police and dealt with with a judicial system. They are shuffled to different parishes, and, and everything seems to be swept under the rug. And it seems to be an epidemic not only in the Catholic Church, but in all places of power mm-hmm. and authority, and it is really frustrating. Um, and, you know, I over the weekend, talking to a few people, uh, I had a conversation where uh, it was explained to me that even in some of these cases in, in government operations, for whatever reason, whether it's uh, blackmail or whatnot, that even pedophiles have been taken out of prison and used by law enforcement in in ways that are uh, you know to further that their own corruption and their own uh, networks of pedophilia. Very disturbing stuff, and you know you you, you don't want to believe something like that, but when you see the level of corruption and, and how high this goes in so many of these instances from the, you know, Jeffrey Epstein's and the Denny Hassert's and the, the Sandusky's, it makes you wonder, um, you know, is this not a, is this a problem in all the top levels of in the highest industries and power and business and Hollywood and politics and, and whatnot? If, if this is common in these arenas, it, it's very troubling to see some of the behavior and some of the people who are, who get caught up in this stuff. And, you know, the the fight, it's going to take each and every one of us to get out there and, and to do something about this. But I want to ask you this. The normalization of pedophilia, John did a great presentation in Occupy. What have we been seeing as far as these different organizations, like the Women's March, for instance, who is saying, you know, uh, women's, uh, or sex rights are women's rights. And we also see the, this push to, well, you, you can't label pedophiles, you can't isolate them, you can't make them feel bad. How are they go- successfully going to be able to normalize this uh, pedophilia that, that that they've been trying to do? How are they going to continue to do this and get away with it and convince the American people that this is okay? They're not. <laughs> They're not. 
I mean, seriously, you know, I've had debates with these people. We've been in the same threads with these people mm -hmm. that are trying to, they're almost making themselves a victim. Yes. You know, they, yes. they make themselves a victim. Like we're doing something wrong by saying that what they feel is completely abhorrent and not okay. Um, and, and I, it's done on purpose. You destroy the family, you can destroy anything. The family is the core, you know, of, of everything in this country, at least in this country, that the family is the core of, of goodness and wholesomeness and, and, you know, just, it's just what it, you know, it's just, it's just a symbol of good. And, and they try to destroy the family. When they destroy the family, look what happens. They destroyed the family with, um, you know, African Americans and look what happens. They become dependent. They make the, you know, they take fathers away from their kids and, um, they, they make the government a, a kind of like, farm in a way for them to, to receive aid in terms of having it's just it's a big it's a big nightmare and and you know it's almost like how much further can they go I mean between all the exploitative things we've seen on television with kids and we talked about beauty pageants and we talked about music videos and how much younger and younger it's getting and all the shows on television and there's nothing sacred anymore and it's about time people stop and say stop it just stop this is not okay um, I'm not a bad person for saying this isn't okay. This is just not okay. Kids should be kids. They should be able to be children, not be exploited. Because who's watching that stuff? It's not children. It's not children that are watching those programs. And and in terms of Salon and the far left sort of media outlets that are trying to make this something that's the next, like, you know, they try and make things hip and pop culture mm -hmm. and sort of like normal and like cool how many genders can you have? How many, you know, it's just not, it's, it, they're trying to normalize it. They, they saturate it, um, across the media, across, you know, television, um, even on Twitter, social media, they saturate us with it. And then they expect us to just sit there and be like, oh, I guess I'm bad for thinking this is, no, just speak up and speak loudly often. Mm -hmm. That, that's the only way it's going to stop is if we put a, a, a heart, at least with this, for God's sakes, just put a hard line down and say, no, no, we're not bad people because we feel like what you're trying to accomplish is, is a horrible thing. You're exploiting children. Like, that's that's it. That's hard line for people. That should be a hard line. And we shouldn't be made to feel crazy or stupid or, you know, not conforming to, like, what the new kind of hip thing to do is just because we're like, no, that's not okay that you talk about kids that way. We're I, called bigots, actually. Oh, jeez. <laughs> we're bigots. We're bigoted um, because oh, well. we don't believe that pedophilia is normal. And let me tell you, um, they have been infiltrating the LGBT community for quite some time now. And um, I know many LGBT, a part of our movement, that do not want the pedophiles <laughs> putting a P at the end of LGBT. Um, you know, the tactic there, and this is how they're doing it. So, um, Heather actually, she discovered, um, a lot of archived footage, um, archived, uh, manuals, um, from a queer resource, uh, what's it called? Resource directory. Yeah. It's called the Queer Resource Directory, and it's got, 
Um, you want to talk about code words and things like that. Um, th- there are five different or six different codes. I think I send it to John if you guys want to take a look at it some other time. But um, in particular, uh, the the bear code, the twink code, the smurf code. There's there's other codes. These were actually invented by people that work in high tech positions. Um, one of the guys, Jeff Olinger. I mean, he is was an intern at Intel and at Microsoft. Graduated from Carnegie Mellon and Stanford University. Uh, he was the inventor of, of one of these coded languages for you know the gay community. Also, the twink. That is a that is a minor gay male. So you have this like social engineering thing going on here, um, where they are trying to call the younger and the younger and the younger kids. Uh, to get in touch with their their genders, uh, sexuality. Um, there there is a push to get sexualized real early here, and when you empower a child in that way, I think they automatically become defiant, um, and they become susceptible to that kind of grooming. And I really think it is grooming at that point when you have someone who's sitting in a uh, a computer room with with a think tank of of professional high-tech, you know, gurus um, for these platforms that we use every day, um, trying to think up ways for the young people to communicate with each other uh, using code words. I mean, just think about what I'm talking about here. Backpages mean focus of allowing child sex trafficking was giving them tips and tricks um, and allowing them to use codes and emojis, specific emojis that we found in pedophile research that we've done on the dark web and online now. They're they're coming out of the shadows and doing their work right on Twitter. But they're they're using... Yeah, they're using the, these code words that were invented by people that have that had a hand in creating the platforms we use on the internet. Is that so why they're it, open is about program. it? Is that why they're so open about it? Because they have developed these codes. They've they've used these emojis that are uh, basically a, a universal language to other uh, predators. That uh, I mean, I guess my question would be, how do these things get developed and dispersed without law enforcement or others, uh, you know, getting the code covertly themselves. on the dark web. Sometimes, um, in smaller groups like Namble is a perfect example of this kind mm-hmm. of cult. Uh, you know, they have their own newsletter, they have their own little groups around the country where they share. It's like a secret society. It's like a cult kind of thing where these things are put in on purpose. There's a newsletter. You know, there's this, okay, check out this article. Look at these things. Like we're going to, when we talk about, specifically with the bear, it's called bear code, B-E-A-R. And this code is specifically used to talk between an older male and a younger male. And the words like cub and, you know, the use of plus, 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 and, you know, they're legit codes that were developed to get slipped in to people thinking that they developed them, to use them thinking that they're covert. I mean, you know, the FBI document that was declassified, or I think it was unclassified but released, of the pedophile codes, uh, that was that was dated January 31st, 2007. You know, that, that was quite a while ago, over 10 years ago. Um, and still to this day, 
are seeing, you know, websites like Heart Progress and our love frontier. Oh, using, yeah, using the 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 spiral, the triangle spiral symbol as their logo. You know, it's- I, I have to I have to share. Like I was just I was talking I was trying to inform someone about this stuff, and I showed them a video I did back last year of um, Alpita, which is run by Frank Dustra from the Clinton Foundation fame, and their logo was that triangle. But, uh, spiral. As we found that, literally as we discovered it and started posting about it on social media, they changed their logo in real time, mm-hmm. right in that. front of our eyes. And I caught it on film as they changed their logo. Um, you know, this is the sort of thing, like all of this stuff kind of melts together. It's really sick and crazy, but you can't separate them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much going on underground and everything, but it weaves its, back, its way back into politics. And, you know, I think that's another reason why the story about Loretta Lynch and this laptop was such a big deal, um, because of what was on that laptop. Yeah, please, let's and get it, into it, that. Thank you. Please. Sure. Yeah, go on. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, back in the, back right before the election, there was, um, after the WikiLeaks emails came out, there was a lot of stuff in the WikiLeaks emails that was really just abhorrent that we, we did a lot of research in. Into we were relegated to conspiracy theorists and crazy people because we, you know, made these connections that were legitimate connections about what we found in there, given what we know now about this topic. And um, one of the biggest things was that Eric Prince went on Breitbart and basically spoke about Hillary Clinton going to Epstein Island. And if you know anything about Jeffrey Epstein, people immediately pushed that the side like it wasn't true because he spoke about Epstein Island and that was like a conspiracy topic well listen up guys it's true there are logs this stuff is not conspiracy it's fact and the fact that it was corroborated the reason why the rest of that call is corroborated is because of the Eric Prince um, you know the uh, Eric Garner sort of tangent that ran through it and that's why it, it, it really blew me away not because the fact that they were talking about Eric Garner and using Eric Garner as kind of like a, a, like bait and, you know, threatening to, to, to do something about the Eric Garner case with the federal jury or the federal prosecutors that were in place, but because the fact that Eric Prince mentioned Eric Garner and then right after that he talked about Hillary Clinton and what was in those emails and the fact that she went to Epstein Island and the stuff that they found that would make grown men cry and Doug, what you had from your source that was on that computer. I want to know what's on that damn computer. Mm-hmm. Like, enough is enough already. I want to know what was on there. Yeah, there's a lot of speculation about a video circulating on the dark web purporting to show uh, maybe some kind of a snuff film or, or uh, sexual assault or rape on a, on a minor. And many say it's been perpetrated by... Look, I, I don't, I don't have any. We don't. Yeah, well, I have not been able to clarify, the verify, infor- or the information I have on that that video. It is, and it, it's an attempt to discredit. There's, I'm not going to give away the backstory, but if you, if I, I don't, in the, um, both both of you can comment on this, but the information I have is whoever, whoever created that video knew what yeah. was in the original video. Okay, but did it so it could be debunked. Well, I mean, that's the thing, too, with the disinformation. We talked about this at, at length earlier and how hard it is because we talked about how there are people in certain different stages of awakening that don't really know what to trust or who to trust or how to trust or how to debunk things or how even to look and see what's true and what's not. 
um, and how, how much of responsibility it is that we have to make sure that people are actually looking at real information because they're looking, at this point we're very powerful. We really are. We're very powerful, all of us together, and they're looking for anything to discredit us. They will throw something out there, let people latch onto it, and they'll use it to discredit an entire group of people. So it's, it's, it's so much more important now that we're extra vigilant about that. That could be true, but I always take like an extra long time before I come out with anything just to make sure that there's no doubt that it's real. Yeah, I was on the dark. I learned <laughs> how to how to really navigate the dark web over the last two weeks because of this video. Um, I really wanted to find it myself and to see it myself, not because, and I've had a lot of uh, discussion with this with my subscribers. I'm like half and half. A lot of them are upset with me um, for looking for this video, like I'm trying to look for CP or something or a snuff film um, or that I'm going to get arrested. Um, there's a lot of interesting factors that I think uh, a lot of people aren't grasping here. The, the fact that there is actually a video that is going to come out, regardless of whatever people are, have said they've seen or whatever. Whatever. There is information on this laptop. It could be information about Eric Garner. Uh, excuse me, um, Eric Garner. I mean, any, anybody, like any a murder of, of anyone. Um, information about Pedogate yeah. as a whole. Uh, information about Hillary Clinton, money Clinton laundering, Foundation. sexual abuse of children. I mean, there's a lot of stuff on that laptop related to Clinton, Huma, and Wiener. Um, so, there, and there's sixty. What is it? Sixty-five thousand. Six hundred fifty thousand emails um, and files and whatever else is on there. Um, anything could be there. But if there is something like that circulating around, my goal and I feel my responsibility is to find it, report it, uh, and if the FBI and the NYPD didn't do anything with that video and it found its way into the dark web, there's a national security issue there, and uh, I think it should be exposed, because if, if people that are supposed to be protecting our country, our people, uh, have seen a video, had their hands tied or whatever, it got leaked out. Um, I would assume they put it out there for us to expose. Yeah, why do we have to do this? That's the biggest question. Mm -hmm. Why do we have to do this? <laughs> like, really? <laughs> like, why aren't the right people taking, taking, doing the right thing? Like, it's, it's up to like, you know, normal people walking around to take their responsibility upon themselves. Everybody in your audience, all of us, we're all doing this because we're tired of the, the nonsense, but why do we have to do it? Didn't we elect people? And put them in, in. I don't know. I differ with you. I like that the responsibility is coming on us now because I think it's giving us a chance to become the people again and to hold them accountable. I think it, it for me, and I, I love you, and I oh, agree with what you're saying. Please. To a, to a level. <laughs> That's fine. You're, the, you're right about, like, for me, with, I agree with, with that you, video. With reporting videos on, like, Facebook or Twitter, like, if I see CP, it's up to me to, like, report the information no, but this and was on the around. Secretary of State. Exactly. I'm not talking about, like, finding God forbid, like stumbling across something on Twitter. I'm talking about this was state email on somebody on in, in another congressman's mm -hmm. laptop, and this stuff is leaking out to the dark web. Like, mm -hmm. why is that happening? Why did it get that far? I like, think they want us to maybe start standing up and do something. I mean, I, there might be good people, and you even said this earlier, there there are good people working in the FBI. Yeah, there are obvious, good people yes. working in law enforcement. Yeah. And that might be how this information got leaked out. Um, but I feel that it's possibly getting leaked out so that people do get angry and they do stand up yeah, because and start making a difference. In my opinion, it's because something failed in mm -hmm. process I agree with you. before then because it should have <laughs> stopped, you know, 
in November. Mm-hmm. This should not have, this sh- we shouldn't be having this conversation. That's true. And I apologize, but I get a little bit upset about this because, you know, we I mean. We both do. We're obviously clearly very upset about this whole laptop situation. <laughs> it is a source of, of contention um, for, for everybody, I think, because what do we do? You know, how do we react? We're all going to react different ways, but she's right. Do you know what I'm saying? There was a huge failure here. Uh, thank God Hillary didn't become president. And I don't care how many times anybody wants to down the president. I, you know, I didn't vote for Trump. Um, I'm really happy with what he's doing. But thank God Hillary did not become president. And I will say that till the day I die. Um, because just look at the level of corruption that has come on the aftermath. Uh, and just think about what would have continued to happen if she found bullet. herself in power. I mean, yeah, my we goodness. dodged a huge bullet. Thank mm-hmm. God for everyone who voted for him, like me. Absolutely. <laughs> um, now, just to give you a little bit of a uh, heads up here, we will take at the bottom of the hour break, network break, uh, and in so doing, we're going to be uh, messing a little bit with our controls. You, you'll still be connected, but uh, oh, to, to, to fix, you know. Yeah, about four minutes from now. Um, okay. but just a heads up. So people who are experiencing buffering issues perhaps will, uh, be able to get that resolved. Um, now. This is nothing new. Exactly. <laughs> With, exactly. <laughs> this happens on the best shows. So I'm sorry it happens to you guys, but well, always, it, you know, always seem to get involved. Exactly. Now, but let's revisit that, that laptop, uh, of, of Hillary Clinton, uh, or I'm sorry, of Huma Abedin and Anthony Weiner, which the raid was actually as a, as a consequence of the sexting of Anthony Weiner. Uh, and what they found, of course, were closet the 650,000 emails on, on um, Weiner's laptop as well as other files. You mentioned it, things that would make grown men cry. Here's my understanding. And then I spoke about this uh, at the same time, concurrent, concurrent with Eric Prince, um, Back on November 4th, 2016, his sources, uh, source out of 1PP, uh, New York Police Department, mine is, a, a close to that. I'll leave it at that. There were, uh, in addition to a laptop, there were other devices, including some routers, some other hard devices that were taken out of that apartment, the, the, the home. Uh, so it's not just one laptop. It's more than that. The second thing is, the team that went in, the, the FBI, NYPD task force that went in, very limited number of people that had access to the actual uh, equipment. So it would be six, eight people that, or, or even less, that would have access to what was on these devices. So should information get leaked? Oh, and by the way, of that very limited number, a couple from NYPD, copied, downloaded the contents of the laptop for sure and some of the technical IP addresses on the router. Um, and and ha- they have it even to this day. Okay, so, but has it been released? No, why not? It's not just the Garner cases Eric Prince mentioned. It's something much more nefarious. Um, they threatened their they, they, lives, right? Yes, not just the lives of the people, their kids, and the threats were very explicit. Now, yeah, but I will say this, this information will come out, but they also have one other thing to be concerned about. They're fighting that should they release information, 
they will immediately attempt to they meaning the the, the bad the blockhouse will immediately attempt to discredit it because once you release a, a file that you, you that you have and you release it out to the public there's no way to authenticate post release authenticate a document well mm-hmm. there is but it makes it much more difficult uh so what the, what they're doing is they're fighting to fighting through the through the threats but also waiting to release it so it can be so there's no question about its authenticity and we've seen a lot of reports of from the New York Times ABC saying uh fake video uh you know fake sex tape uh, due to come out do you think that's in, in anticipation or to, to, yeah, of what you're talking about trying to discredit yeah, yeah go ahead go, yeah go ahead girls yeah. No, they're doing that right now. They're floating this technology. They came up with a couple articles like, look, this new technology. Um, they made Obama say something crazy. <laughs> and, you know, they're trying to, like, set up the public for it in case something like that ever does come out. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not real. Like, yeah, they're trying they to put prime. a head on someone else's body. Or and they can do like it. That. It's yeah. not That's not a lie. They actually can do that. But what they're trying to do is use it as an excuse for what's actually real. They're trying mm-hmm. to cover for that. Yeah. Um, and, and but I, I've seen, we've seen the... the uh, Software and how easy it is to to create uh, a video making it appear someone else is, is talking. But what I'm talking about is in reference to uh, reports saying that there is a fake sex tape coming out. I mean, it was a uh, directly they were, they were talking about the potential for pedophilia and and uh, sex on this one tape. It wasn't just a, a general uh, you know look we can fake videos. It was about a fake sex tape purporting Hillary Clinton. Uh, circulating. So I'll, when we come back on the they're, other they're, side, yeah, can... they're they're fixing to already discredit something yeah. that hasn't been released yet. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman Report. This is the 23rd day of April 2018. Very special guest, Tracy Beans. Follow her, of course, as well as Melissa Zachariah. Remember, right back, stay right where you at. The Hagman Report. Our guest, Melissa Zachariah. I said Zachariah before Zachariah. Uh, Melissa, of course, the honeybee, and Tracy Beans. Two incredibly tenacious, uh, young ladies who are at the tip of the, who are at the forefront of the fight to expose the corruption and darkness that involves pedophilia. I just want to say something here. This is my statement. Uh, back in 2015, Burgerfell, that decision opened the doors because, in my view, homosexuals, the homosexual agenda, and the homosexuals as a group are some of the most depraved, some of the most morally compromised, mentally ill people that that you can ever come across in your lifetime. And I make that statement not lightly, but understanding the the nature, what they want to do, the the agenda, the level that they embrace and push for. The level of degeneracy, the of debauchery, is astounding. Now, you may say, well, it's pretty harsh, but when you look at the findings of Melissa Zachariah, Zachariah and uh, the, uh, the Honeybee and Tracy Beans, you'll find that uh, not only is, is there a group within this group advocating for perversion, they're uh, they're the advocates for sh- shameless advocates for depravity. That includes, but is not limited to, uh, child sex trafficking and, and pornography. Just want to give you a couple of statistics real quick and get back to them. Uh, consider that, that the homosexual community that, that embraces this, uh, the homosexual community, period, um, they make up about 3% of the population, but account for 25 to 40% of all child molestation cases. 
Think about that for a second. They make up over 80% of all male child molestation, molestation cases. And the average pedophile victimizes between 20 and 150 boys before being arrested. These are actual numbers from the federal database. So, uh, federal statistics now, imagine what the real numbers are. They make up over 80% of all child uh, molestation cases, and the average pedophile victimizes, again, between 20 and 150 male, uh, young males before being arrested. They account for almost half of all serial killers and child killers. No surprise due to their fragile mental state. And uh, lastly, most child molesters, child rapers, murderers, and serial killers are male. Homosexuals make about or account for one to two percent of the population. That means one to two percent of the population commit one third of child molestation, uh, one third to two third of child rapes, and one half of all murders, and more than two fifths of serial murders. There you go. Those are the stats. Again, our guests Tracy Beans and Melissa Zechariah, Zachari- the honeybee. And Tracy Beans, welcome back. Who wants to go first? Um, I'd like to uh, talk about the statistics and how um, how much underreported information um, is is out there and available um, that isn't really shared with the public, um, especially about the amount of boys uh, that are abused. I know that there's a lot more of um, I don't know how to say, people are used to women and girls being abused sexually. Um, not that it's accepted, but I think it's, we've been desensitized for millennia, um, that the female is, you know, the one that is easier to take advantage of. The fact of the matter is, is that young boys are at a huge risk. And I think, namely because of the underreported nature and the, you know, the spotlight is never put on that issue. And what we've found, um, Heather and I, is that um, a lot of the pedophiles that we have uncovered uh, that are working covertly in these these circles that are creating websites, um, people that are law enforcement, military, uh, especially the, the, the man in um, Tucson, Sierra Vista, Arizona, David Frodsham, which I, I spoke about him in great length um, a few months ago on your show, um, little Devaney, who was first raped repeatedly by this man who was a high-level military person. Um, he had a pedophile ring running out of his house with the foster kids coming in and out, using them in child pornography. Uh, she was later moved to another home where she was scolded and burned alive in uh, hot water by her foster mother, uh, who later adopted her, um, and, you know, organ failure, toes amputated, going to be having medical issues the rest of her life. Now, these kinds of things where you see, uh, especially with David Frodsham and all of his cohorts, in the court documents that we went to the clerk's county court document place and we paid hundreds of dollars to read the actual things that were talked about in these arrests and these trials. They are gay uh, homosexual men who 
um, in exchange for sex with another man. They will bring children as payment. Um, many of the men that get in trouble for having sex with young boys or doing child pornography and things like that, um, they use the excuse that they didn't know that the child wasn't of age, even though five, six, seven, eight years old, obviously that child is not of age. But this is the sort of narrative that we're hearing. So it is very dangerous. And like I said before, the, the pedophile issue um LGBT has been trying to distance itself for for a very long time from that, but there is a very real issue still happening to this day where older homosexual men um, are pedophiles, uh, and this is their thing. And I think that especially with the young boys being in such danger because of it not being such a big deal, um, it's something we have to talk about. I know it's not fun to talk about, but it's definitely got to be addressed. So I'm sitting here and I'm listening to all this, and I'll just give you an outsider's perspective because this is not something that I've talked about before, thought about even. I've never thought about the the statistics of who is a pedophile and who isn't a pedophile. And um, I'll just say, even even with George Takai and Milo, you heard that they were basically with older men when they were young younger children because they felt loved and taken care of um it's an it's it's a it's a really horrible sort of thing to think about um i personally i get uncomfortable when i don't know i have people in my family who are gay Mm -hmm. so for me i get uncomfortable when um i hear stuff like that it just makes me I know my family so it just makes me feel uncomfortable but I understand what you guys are saying um, I, I I just feel like it, it's it's something that I don't think we can we can't understand what a young boy in that situation feels like because we've seen like Milo come out and say like I was with a you know an older man because I felt loved I felt this I, I don't think that we can put ourselves in that position Whereas with the younger, like you know, it it's just very it's it's very complicated and very um hard to soak in. Um, giving you raw sort of emotion on what you guys are talking about here, honestly. So bear with me, but yeah, I think the sexual abuse part of it. I mean, Milo, and that was a very difficult interview to listen to when yeah. he was talking about this because, from my perspective as someone who's looked into the pedophile psychology, um, and how I could hear. He almost uh, was like Stockholm ta- syndrome. Yeah, he was almost <laughs> saying it was his fault that he he came onto him, and you know he wanted this. And this is the kind of narrative that you're hearing from convicted, not just convicted pedophiles, but from rapists who say she wanted it, he wanted it. Yeah, you but coming from the victim, so it's very much different. It, it is different, but as a child. Um, like we talked about, it's this normalization of se- like sexualizing children at such a young age that um, grooming is so effective. Grooming, this is why grooming is a federal law, folks. Like it, it is a federal law. So when you get your claws into young children and you are able to, uh, you know, use sexual cues and touching and things like that, um, they feel like they're a part of the decision when in fact they're They're really not. Yeah, it's almost like if you raise a child and you point at the table and you say this table is black but it's really white but all their life they think that the table is black and they don't know any better and then they grow up and then they 
do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They they maybe victimize other people. I mean yeah. that happens a lot. Not every not every person that has been abused as a child becomes a pedophile or a violent offender. Um, but the numbers are are large in in that aspect. Um, but like I said, this talking about it and spreading awareness. And I think Craig Sawyer has a great plan. He's trying to put together a program where people like us go into schools and teach children about the dangers of grooming um, and online sexual predators uh, and how to deal with it. You know, not so much like the over-the-top stranger danger. Don't talk to strangers online. Like what's actually going on and, and what they need to know to to stay away and how to combat it. You know what I'm saying? Getting that into the schools as opposed to, you know, we had our, my, my boyfriend's daughter came home from school uh, last year and was telling us that she was learning about anal sex. And she's t- 10. She was 10 at that time. That was very concerning for me. Um, this is a 10-year-old kid learning about that. And they were saying in defense of the uh, the LGBT community that we wanted to include this part of the sexual, you know, um, health, you know, tutorial or whatever. Um, but just the fact that they were actually talking about sex in that sort of way, I mean, I get it. These are, you know, this is man parts. This is female parts. This is, you know, the, this is the time of the month. This is what happens when you go through these changes. But it almost feels like they're showing them X-rated pornography I had no idea what that was until I was in my 20s. Exactly. It's just really this accelerated (laughs) sexual grooming. Yeah, just grooming process. And um, it's it's just really, really scary. It's really scary. And and just to be clear, that's, you know, because we're talking to a vast audience who many who have homosexuals in their family, many who have friends who are homosexuals. I'm talking about, and I just want to be clear, what what you are referring to, in my view, is a consequence of a militant group. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not. It's not the people that you may know uh, necessarily or are in your family. It's the people that are this militant group that are a part of this three percent who want to change what is normal and demand that change. That to force that change upon other people, that includes the perversion of pedophilia and the normalization of that kind of behavior. So just to be clear, yeah. I, I want to be really clear because it's a sensitive topic. And you know, my my uncle was was a homosexual and murdered as a consequence of his behavior. Um, now, just. <laughs> It's just a tragedy befalls many in this group, but I'm referring to this this militancy, not necessarily the the person that you might know or the person himself or herself. So. I mean, we're all we're all we're we're all white, but there's a good subsection of white people that do that's bad right. things. That's so, right. So you know, right. that's yep. basically what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And 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 in no way am I trying to insult those people. Um, or accuse those people of the militancy behavior who are not engaged in that uh, that type of behavior to to force change upon to, to force your daughter or your son at age ten to learn these perverse activities. That's not. I mean, it's that group that 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 I'm I'm yeah. saying. Man, this is not right. So yep. just to be clear. And so, thanks, Doug. If I can, going back to. Uh, you guys talked about the statistics and, and the correlations between 
the uh, homosexuals and the rate that they uh, molest children versus that of the rest of the population. But I want to ask you this. We've seen a rise, especially in the educational community, of women offenders. What can we attribute the increase of, of women becoming pedophiles to? Is it just the culture is, uh, or is something else going on? This is very interesting. I actually had a conversation with this with Rob, um, with John Robertson a couple of days ago. Um, I think that the the pedophile mentality um, they they have always been in secret. I don't think that it is new that women are pedophiles. I think that there are just as many uh, female offenders, whether it's with little girls or little boys. Um, that are that are into this stuff. I just don't think it's as prevalent, and they don't get caught as much, or it's kind of looked over because the female, uh, you know, the hot teacher, schoolboy, like fantasy, that's almost like condoned in our culture. And I'm not saying that it's right at all, but it is something that I think it gets looked over, especially in a school setting. Um, you have young, beautiful teachers uh, who may actually go into those positions because of the attention they will get from younger boys. I had many conversations with psychotic pedophile uh, militant defenders of this movement who were very candid about the fact that to have access to children is the goal. I hate so, that you even have to say that. I know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a tough day job, but it has to be done. But their goal is to have access to children. So they will pick jobs and join uh, groups like Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts or uh, church groups and things like that where there are children there. And as adults involved in those activities, you become mentors and you have close personal access with the children. That is something that I think we're seeing a lot with the, I mean, there were like hundreds of teachers arrested this year. Um, oh yeah, like twice, of, three times a week. I see the articles, just the ones that yeah. are on, you know out there. Yeah, it's 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 insane. But like I said, I think the 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 common uh, you know perception of what a pedophile is, like I was talking about earlier, is this creepy forty year old man. Uh, it's quite the opposite of that. Uh, they're actually um, calling younger pedophiles now. Um, you know, to take these young boys and girls that are maybe experimenting, um, you know, just coming into puberty, um, they're trying to get them to uh, get in touch with their pedophilic nature. If, if you take a look at the Heart Progress Group, a lot of those a lot of those people are under the age of 20 years old. They call themselves non-offending or non-contact, you know, <laughs> minor attracted people. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, a pseudo-intellectual uh, terminology for child rapist pedophile. But the, And, the, like, to me, this is why they go after the family. Because I'll be honest with you, if anybody ever came up to one of my children and attempted to do anything mm-hmm. like you're describing right now, they would probably... <clears throat> kick hmm. them and then <laughs> I'm sure you run do a lot more. Yeah, run in the other direction. <laughs> run in the other direction as fast as possible because they know the difference between right and wrong, which comes back to the family. So it it goes in like a big circle. These kids don't know better. Mm-hmm. They they're not confident enough and self aware enough right. and strong enough inside to say no. 
and they don't have support at home. They don't have a, a family to support them. Even if there's not a, a parent there, even if it's a single parent family, there's no grandparents there, or there, you know, and the mom has to go out and work. Like just, it, it all ties back into politics, economics, the welfare state. It all ties together. This is a, a complex issue. It is not just there are bad people out there. There's reasons why people fall prey to this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. If you have a confident, um, smart individual child, they in a situation like that, they'll know how mm-hmm. to take care of themselves. I mean, the statistics speak for themselves because we see reporting from Thorne and from the National Center of Missing Exploited Children that almost 85 to 90 percent of cases of child sex trafficking, uh, the children are in some sort of foster care situation. That's very, very alarming, and that says a lot. Um, these kids are put into situations where they are, you know, without supervision, without their families. And I'm not saying that children get in, put into programs from parents that are bad. There are bad people in this world, and there are bad parents. Not every parent is perfect uh, or good. Um, there are reasons that children get taken away from from parents, and I understand that. But the, it's the uh, the capitalizing, you know, money making industry of this where. You know, we, when you can, you can target, it's, it's like targeted individuals of kids that are vulnerable, uh, that have little parental oversight, um, that are taken out of the care and put into the state's care. And why are they the ones that are ending up in these things and getting saved from pedophile networks and and things like that? Why are all these kids the ones that are from foster care? That is actually the biggest reason why we're doing our documentary is because there's something that's always interweaving with politics and and law uh, involved in these great atrocities. And it's very, very alarming, um, and it absolutely needs to be addressed. Uh, Very well said. And we only got about... Six minutes left. I want to make sure we cover this before we uh, run out of time. What has happened with this Allison Mack? It's come out now that she oh. has tried to lure Emma Watson and Kelly Clarkson into the sex cult. She has been uh, the actress from Smallville, was arrested last week for her role in a sex cult, and had apparently tried to lure other actresses and entertainers, Emma Watson and Kelly Clarkson, who I'm sure are just the two names out of many more that have come forward. But what is this about? So Nexium, Nexium has been around for, uh, what? It's Nexium. Nexium, yeah, however you want to say it. It is Nexium. Um, it's been around for quite some time. I believe it's been around since the 70s and 80s in some form or another. Um, Keith Ranieri has been, uh, one of these cult, you know, holier than thou, you know, messiah type personality guys. Um, he started doing pyramid schemes when he was 30 years old, even younger. So he's got this cult-like mentality anyways. But Nexium, uh, they are, like I don't know if you guys have reported on them, but they're a self-help group. Mm. Um, but in re- reality, they're they're getting these people that are willing to dump millions of dollars into their institution while they're being actually brainwashed and groomed okay. yeah. to be sex slaves um, and drones uh, for their for their. Uh, 
business. It's pretty much a business of rising Keith Ranieri into whatever capacity of godness that he's thinking he's going to get to. Um, but the fact that Allison Mack, now Allison Mack, this is not a thing. She's been kind of his little pet mm-hmm. PR lady for quite some time. There are many videos online, so you can go to YouTube and see great long conversations about gender and age and poetry uh, between Allison Mack and Keith Ranieri. Um, the fact that she was just arrested for sex trafficking, that's a huge win. That's a huge win. I'm just saying normal people that watch Smallville are like, oh, my gosh, what is this all about? Mm-hmm. And they're looking into it. Like, they're like, yeah. she doesn't look like she'd be into that. Yep. Lots of celebrities. And you have to understand, this group was taking vulnerable people into their group by completely draining them of all of their money by, you and know. Compromising them. Yeah, they compromising them with blackmail. They were making sex slaves, branding these women in these little, this little sorority they, they had where they would have to get naked and then they would get branded with Keith Ranieri and Allison Mack's initials, uh, on their bodies. Uh, painful, painful stuff. Um, you know, they're calling members to get in there. Uh, they're getting funded by major, major hubs of, of, okay, so for example, Seagram's. I don't know if you know the, the Bronfman family. Um, billions of dollars, uh, during Prohibition with Seagram's liquor. The two daughters, Sarah and Claire, have dumped millions oh, into Nexium. Yeah. Still stand by it today. Have done many interviews. They were running after his Jeep. They, yeah, yeah. They were running after him, trying to save him. Like from the, getting these arrested. girls, you look at them when they're talking to him, and they're all googly-eyed, like something out of a movie. And it's it's just like you see the brainwashing and and the MK Ultra like right in front of you. It's very scary. But these these families are also tied in with government. You know, there are connections to the Clinton Foundation. There are connections to the Rothschilds. And we get a lot of flack saying that we're, you know, we're put, we're conflating all this stuff. You just gotta look very, very, not deep. It's right there. Right in the news. You can Google any of this stuff and it's right there. You can see the ties yourself. It's very disturbing. It, it, it is. And, and I've looked into this, this group and, uh, followed its foundation, its travels from, from and to upstate New York, um, mm-hmm. it, it is. It, it's this is just the tip of the iceberg. But I, I do I believe several celebrity yeah. sex cults. Oh, Kelly is a great example. I mean, you're right. But I do believe that this what we're seeing today is a result of, uh, in part, Donald Trump the civil asset forfeiture twelve twenty one uh, or twelve twenty twelve twenty one executive order executive action the. Um, uh, and, and I think the pushback, the, uh, I don't think it's any, I don't think it's coincidental what's taking place today under Donald Trump. Um, I, th- I think he's got, I, th- I think, I think what we're seeing today is a result of, of this outing or this pushback against deep state. Now we only have a couple of minutes left. We're gonna, we're not going to take a network, top of the air network break. So we're gonna have a, a soft out with you folks. Um, before we bring our Thank next you. guest on because we want to just allow you to, um, the last few minutes that we've got is uh, promote what you're doing, tell people how they can help you, and because we want to stick together, we have to stick together because we're we're fighting a big fight. You you two are fighting a big fight. So, uh, Melissa, we'll start with you. Um, tell people sure. how they can help and what you're doing. You know, just go for it. Um, 
Thank you. Um, I really appreciate you guys even um, plugging us <laughs> to be able to 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 get some fundage for our documentary. Um, it's really only come to fruition because of the donations we've received from the awesome listeners out there, people that interact with me and Anthony and Heather online. Um, it's just a very important project, and we're really grateful for everyone's help. If you want to go check out our fundraiser page, it is on plumfund.com forward slash the kid. Kids Inc. documentary. Um, you can also find me uh, on YouTube and Twitter, and I have links to all of those things there as well. Um, if you go to Twitter, you'll see Doug Hagman's big mug right there on the trailer. We we had the pleasure. Scared the of heck out of me, Doug. by the way. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> We're sure. Capitalizing off of the Hagmans. <laughs> I'm, I'm not exactly <laughs> sure that. Uh, yeah, you, you, you might. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that's that's helping you fundraise, but <laughs> it, is, it is helping us, Doug. We really appreciate. You're so it. handsome. Yeah. I, I don't know about so, that. Yeah, that would you. be helpful. So thank you for that for letting me do that. You're gonna make his head big now, guys. Come on. <laughs> it's out of proportion. Joe, I see body. you're growing some facial hair tonight. Yeah, I am. I never, uh, never tried to grow any before and, and, uh, I said, you know There's what, I'm gonna do it. That. I'm gonna do it. It and was good. At, well, I appreciate it. At the, um, conference this weekend, got a lot of compliments on it and, uh, so much more so than I thought and I've been contemplating shaving it off. But after the amount of compliments I received this weekend, it's gonna stay. So, thank you. Yeah, Stephen Menking actually took a shot of it while you were talking and sent it to me, so. <laughs> Awesome. I was impressed. The beard life. Hashtag beard life. <laughs> awesome. I guess it's part of a growing trend. Uh, uh, everybody's growing beards nowadays, I guess. Not everybody. Not everybody. I don't have a beard. No. I'm trying to not have a beard. That's all I got to say. You guys, you guys can find me on Twitter and YouTube at Tracy Beans with a Z. If you guys want to become a patron of mine, I would be honored to have you guys. If you appreciate my work, patreon.com slash Tracy Beans with a Z. And PayPal is the same thing, TracyBeans at AOL.com. Thank Man, you. Um, yeah, social media both at Tracy Beans, social media for uh, Melissa at The Honeybee, and both the YouTubes, Tracy Beans and... Uh, Melissa Honeybee Zachariah, and, and because yeah. because we're blowing through the uh, top of the hour break, we've got I don't know about uh, two minutes, two two to three minutes here. Um, so in addition, and, and folks, please support these these two fine citizen journalists investigators. Um, in addition to that, what do you a minute apiece? Where do you see? From today, where do you see this fight against the, the perversity, the perversion, and the exposure of these dark deeds of the deep state? Do you see it accelerating, the, the exposure accelerating here in, 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 to the both of you? Five years ago, we wouldn't be sitting next to each other right now able to do this on your show. Mm-hmm. There is definitely a change. It has been exponential over the past couple of years. I don't think it's going to stop. I think that it's important while we're talking about dark subjects and horrible things that we realize that the fact that we're sitting next to one, each, you know, we're sitting next to each other right now. You've got, you know, God knows how many people in your audience watching your show. Um, there are normal people that thought that we were crazy a few years ago, Doug, that are watching this right now and understand what's happening. We're going to do this. Evil can't win forever mm-hmm. and good coming back. It is, it is a battle against good and evil and I think good always wins. I actually don't think I know 
I, I know that good outweighs evil in every aspect. Uh, so I have a great hope and faith that we will um, succeed in, in thwarting our enemies. Oh, we sure will. Um, and I don't think it's going to take that long. I think that the way that uh, the sharing and connecting and unity is accelerating right now uh, with using social media and sharing our own platforms with each other, you having us on, Tracy featuring me on her show, us having her in our documentary. I mean, these kinds of connections and unity, that's what love is and that's what will be out the darkness the truth will always prevail and just <laughs> keep exposing if you want to get involved uh, I always say do your own research you vet the people you're listening to I know Joe we didn't really get into the the frazzle drip video that has been uh, reportedly or purportedly circulating um, on the internet um, just be careful of what you hear a lot of um, folks unfortunately they do want um, they do want clicks they do want Popularity, it's, it, that's just the business. That is, that is show business. Yep. A lot of people want to have a good page. They want to have subscribers. I get that. Um, but as for this, the fighting against the evil part of, of our world, our culture, of, of our spiritual everything, um, I think it needs to be taken very seriously and things need to be vetted and, and looked at objectively, corrected correctly. Um, and with due diligence, with the documents, with the evidence, you know. Well, I'll tell you Absolutely what, right. that was perfect timing. I, I, we could not have scripted that better. Uh, <laughs> th- thank you both. And uh, we, we appreciate the efforts by both of you. It, rough subjects, we understand. But I'll tell you <laughs> what, you really delivered. You brought forth tonight. And thank you both. And uh, thank Anthony back there, too, uh, for all that he does. We really appreciate Thanks, all of you. Anthony. Thank you. <laughs> and, and, and we're looking forward to having you both back, either individually or, or together. But uh, at some point in the future, come on back. Thanks, and, and guys. We'll we love you. We, we love you. We love you as well. Many blessings to you both uh, for love everything you, you do. Thank you. God bless the both of you. And, and, and folks, bless. that was Tracy Beans and, and uh, uh, the Honeybee. Support their work. It's so important work. And, and they're out there doing it. Two young ladies just kicking butt, taking names. Yeah, literally. they do such great work individually. Look at them teaming up, and who knows what they'll be able to accomplish working together, uh, especially towards the same goals. And and one thing that they said towards the end there is that good will win out in the end. That is uh, already been decided. That's already been determined by the Lord. We just have to walk it out, play it out. We just have to uh, occupy. We have to be the change. But in the end, good always does win. Occupy, what, indeed. Occupy is not a passive. It's not a passive thing. It's a verb, right. it, it, and we have to occupy. Occupy 2018. I want to thank Coach again. Thank you, Coach Dave Dobmeyer, for putting on a, a just a tremendously fantastic uh, uh, event. Pa- Pastor Paul Begley, Russ Dizdar, everyone there. Uh, thank you, thank you, and thank you for allowing our presence to be there. Don't forget Red Pill Expo. Red Pill Expo. Folks, it's coming June 21st, 22nd, 23rd, Red Pill Expo, redpillexpo.org. Sign up, use the promo code HAGMAN uh, for uh, a great discount on the ticket prices. Uh, chances are, we're, well, we're trying to get there ourselves and being part of Media Row. That's Red Pill Expo. Go to hagmanreport.com, click on the link to Red Pill Expo, and you'll find a, a very nice discounted ticket price for you. 
While you're at HagmanReport.com, check out Peter Chowka's latest articles. He's got a number of them up, uh, one from today, one from a few days ago, two from a few days ago. And the latest today is on Representative Devin Nunez. I don't know. Uh, we didn't talk about this before the I show. Sp- I spoke about uh, Devin Nunez. What does it mean that the... Oh, 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 the reasons or the that there was no official intelligence used as the basis of evidence to open the probe into the Trump Russia collusion. I, okay, uh, I spoke about this. Uh, I did not. Devin Nunes. There was a 15 minute. In fact, if you go to HagmanReport.com and if you go to our individual shows on on my show, look at my show notes. I've uh, I've got a link to the 15 minute Devin Nunes interview. What, what does it mean? It, 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 I'm not sure I can offer a short statement. Perhaps we can we can have uh, Peter and we can talk about this further at length. But uh, that interview is so explosive. This shows that there is no foundation, and it's 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 always been it's been a sting. It's been a trap for President Donald Trump. This is a deep state or a shadow government trap to ensnare Donald Trump or to set him up. It's it's been a setup from day one. So it was only the dossier that was used to it, it, it was, launch the investigation. It, there was okay, there was really nothing used. Um <laughs> how can I put this? Cuz I the, thought they the, had to have a crime. No, 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 no. This this was this was merely a uh they were looking they were looking for a crime to fit the person, to fit Donald Trump. And the only thing that they could possibly have done was attempt to legitimize their inquiries by grabbing a hold of a debunked or a, an unsupported claims via the dossier. Um, and it was a circular kind of a, a, um, feeding frenzy that it, 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 it's the most transparently ridiculous attack against Donald Trump and against the will of the American people. It is so critically important for you to understand the the most recent revelations and I'm sure Peter can get into this. So, I'm it's it's just it's it's this is one of the most I, I, there are no adjectives to, to really adequate to describe this except to say biggest political scandal in America, the biggest criminal scandal. In America. And and we're talking uh in my view uh sedition Oh yeah, uh, tre- uh, treason. We're talking about Comey. Comey's about ready to experience some pretty bad criminal hurt, as well as McCabe. McCabe, uh, his goose is pretty much cooked at the moment, and McCabe is tossing Comey under the bus. And Comey tossing McCabe yeah, under absolutely. the bus, even stating in an interview with Jake Tapper that he'd be willing to testify for the prosecution if criminal charges were brought against McCabe. Yeah, folks, That's, again, uh, we've been saying this since day one. Uh, remember what I said earlier. We're at day in, in the special counsel day 341. That whole thing was a setup. This is a coup and the most important story in our lifetime. But people uh, like Rachel, uh, Rachel, like Rachel Madcow, uh, and, uh, Jake Tapper and, and uh, these others who are attempting to whitewash this, this attempted coup and this ongoing coup. Uh, shame on all of you. Shame, Not only shame whitewash you. it, but they tried to turn around and yeah. and spin it and make it as though the president is the criminal and his supporters and, 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 are the right. enablers. And, and by the way, this will this where does this stop? This stops right at Obama. It's Obama. It's Clinton, Brennan. Of course, the weaponization of the intelligence agencies via Brennan, but Clapper, James Clapper, is heavily in, invested in this, and um, the two-tier justice system we see. It's just absolutely amazing. This is mind-blowing stuff. If you get a chance, 
uh, watch the Devin Nunes interview from, I think, I think it was on Fox or from Fox, 15 minutes in length. Um, Jim Jordan was also on with, uh, Sunday morning futures on Fox. Did a fantastic job. I talked, again, I talked about it this morning. I'm going to be talking about this again tomorrow morning, uh, with specific focus on what Devin Nunes is, is, uh, uh, what he said. By the way, Jim Jordan and the, uh, the people around him are, uh, I believe, going to be, pre- well, there is a letter that was sent today. I, I haven't seen a copy yet, but, uh, the Justice Department under Sessions is slow walking information about all of this to the special, uh, investigators or to the, uh, House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence and other committee investigators. So we have to keep our eyes on this. Yes, we do. Because it's going to explode. Go ahead. We have with us Peter Chalka, who joins us each Monday in hour number three. He is an investigative journalist, a writer, and does such a great job, and it's an awesome addition to the Hagman Report. Peter, we missed you last week. It's great to have you back on the show. Uh, thank you, Joe. It's great to be with you again. And the signal is breaking up on your end tonight, so you can let me know if I'm coming through okay. Yeah, five by five, Peter. It, it's on our end. It's us. You're, you're the important voice, so I think you're okay. Um, I think okay. your voice is coming through fine. I'm hearing about two of you when you speak, but we'll, we'll do our best here. Um, yes, great to be with you again. And uh, we're joined tonight by the two cats at the moment. That's Lulu on my left and Biggie on my right, I think. Is that right? Yes, Lulu and Biggie. And their fans will be happy because... Uh, they let me know last week that they missed Lulu and Biggie, as well as two weeks ago when we were on audio only, so here they are again. And I would like to give a shout-out to the people on the YouTube chat. I'm not able to monitor it live while the show is going on, because I'm not uh, that adept at that kind of multitasking, but YouTube is now making the archived original chat available when you go and uh, download the podcast, or I should say, stream the video podcast you can read the original chat and i do read all of the comments and i wanted to say a special to lo- hello to ne patriot on the youtube chat who about a month ago commented that one of the tv programs that i was referring to uh, back in the day must have been people are talking at wbz in boston massachusetts and bingo right on NE Patriot so thank you for that acknowledgement and if you'd ever like to get in touch with me send an email to Doug and Joe at the studio address they'll forward it to me and I'll be happy to respond and for everyone else um, please feel free to engage me if you're on Twitter at my Twitter account the address is on the monitor behind me at Pichalka and anyone who sends me a direct message on Twitter uh, including people who send me pictures of their cats, which I really appreciate seeing, I respond to everyone. Uh, Now, you very charitably mentioned my article today at Hagman Report, one of three, which is about one of the interviews that Representative Devin Nunez gave over the weekend. Uh, The one that I published the transcription of was from Sunday morning with Maria Bartiromo on her weekly program, Sunday Morning Futures, on the Fox News channel. I believe he was on the night before on um, Judge Jeanine Pirro's show. and uh, But this one in particular, I, had, I got the transcript of from Fox News. 
and the video of it is online at Fox News. It runs about 11 minutes, and uh, I recommend it, as you did, Doug, that it's really uh, essential viewing because Representative Nunez, who is the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, which has been investigating alleged collusion, and of course they issued their report, a majority report of the Republicans after more than a year of investigating and found no evidence of collusion. And Representative Nunez goes into detail on on this and other subjects, including James Comey, on his interview yesterday. So rather than try to summarize it, I would just recommend that people read the transcript at the Hagman Report or if they have time to access the video. And in the two weeks since we have been on last, or since I've been on with you last, there, there's there been so much news breaking uh, that <clears throat> really I've never seen anything like it. I know I probably say that more often than not, but it really is uh, reaching a critical mass now. And there is just no way that one person can keep up with all these stories. And in fact, I think that part of the plan and part of the design here is that all of this news is being hurled at us at warp speed, and uh, we're literally drowning in it. And of course, uh, we feel, many of us who follow the news and report on it, a responsibility to try to keep up with it and to keep our listeners, viewers, and readers up to speed but uh, the thing I like to try to do when I come on this broadcast is to make some reference to the arc of history because I've been around for a long time, uh, actually over 50 years of paying close attention to the news and current events and working professionally for over 50 years as well. I started on my high school newspaper in the 1960s reporting not only on local events, sporting uh, contests or school events, but actually national events. And it was at that point that I covered and met Dr. Martin Luther King in 1964, uh, Richard Nixon in 1964, uh, Governor Bill Scranton of Pennsylvania in 1964. That was an important year in politics, and I was already getting my feet wet in it by covering these individuals when they came to either my community in Connecticut or to the neighboring community. And I've been paying attention and working in this area ever since. So I'd like to draw back the lens a little bit, first with a summary of uh, where we're at right now with all of the news that's come out in the last two weeks with James Comey going on the record all over the place and Representative Nunez and the work that Sean Hannity has been doing. Basically, we have now a... Uh, sorry yes. to jump in here, but yeah, that's one of the things that we did not mention on this show is the latest about Sean Hannity and what has come out. Uh, I guess he's been his, his real estate dealings and, and the information about his own personal financials has come out for some reason in revel in in regards to this Cohen uh, probe. And and I wanted to get your opinion on that as well. But yeah, this whole thing is, is so messed up and since. since uh, We've had you on. We've had the Syria, the Trump Syria incident. Mm-hmm. We've had, uh, I want to get your opinion on Bolton and on this Hannity and Cohen situation. But yeah, take it away and uh, let's knock these down one by one. Well, it was one week ago today, Joe, that Sean Hannity's name was revealed in federal court in New York in a proceeding that involved uh, Michael Cohen, President Trump's attorney, who is now ensnared in this larger investigation. And it was revealed that Sean Hannity 
is the third quote-unquote client of Attorney Cohen. Now, uh, this was not good news for Sean Hannity because his enemies and opponents were lying in wait for something like this to come out, and they started attacking him for not being transparent when he commented on the Cohen case on Fox News and on his syndicated radio show. He avoided mentioning that he had any kind of uh, potential business or professional legal relationship with Attorney Cohen. Now, Hannity immediately tried to extricate himself from this by saying that his he, he had never actually formally hired Attorney Cohen. He'd never gotten an invoice from him. He eventually said he might have given him a $10 bill at some point, but the situation remained uh, a bit murky, and Hannity was under attack all last week for this uh, relationship he had with Cohen, whatever it amounts to, we still don't really know. And then today, just today, the other shoe in this dropped, and that came courtesy of the English newspaper and website The Guardian, a left-of-center site, which has a long article titled, Michael Cohen Case Shines Light on Sean Hannity's Property Empire. And the Guardian newspaper uh, reports that it got its hands on, uh, I forget if they said hundreds or thousands of pages of documents relating to Sean Hannity's investments purportedly in real estate over the past uh, decade or so. Apparently, uh, this, this round of investments, uh, according to the Guardian, began with the real estate collapse of 2008-2009 when Hannity, uh, allegedly working with what the Guardian says are shell corporations, LLCs, set up to buy uh, multiple properties around the country, ranging from uh, high-priced properties to low-priced properties, totaling about $90 million worth. And that somehow mixed up in this deal were loans guaranteed by the Federal Department of Housing and Urban Development. Now, all of this is in the article. It's it's the first hit. Hannity issued um, a two or three paragraph uh, clarification at his white website, Hannity.com. And I did not hear his radio program today to hear if he talked about it on there. I presume that he may have oh, yeah, mentioned he did. it. But he did. Yeah, so, you know, it remains to be seen where this will go. Whether it actually is anything illegal is probably doubtful, but it's just uh, a- another strike at Sean Hannity, which is uh, part of the war of attrition to take him down, to besmirch his reputation, and in so doing, to get a clearer shot at President Donald Trump because as we've reported many times on this program and as I've been reporting for the last year in my writing at American Thinker and the Hagman Report, Sean Hannity has been the most consistent uh, probing uh, investigative analyst on mainstream television or radio to try to get to the bottom of all of these issues that we've been talking about with the conspiracy of the previous administration to take down the duly elected president, Donald Trump, basically without cause. So where this one ends up, who knows? Last week when it came out that uh, Hannity had some kind of relationship with uh, Attorney Cohen, Fox News gave a rather 
limp uh, endorsement of him and said they, they are behind him, even though the statement said that they had no idea that they had this relationship with Cohen. But one by one, these things, these revelations, I think, are taking their toll. And I did write an article about this, in fact, which uh, is also the re- revised version of is is uploaded today at Hagman Report. And I mentioned these problems that Hannity was having, that he is the new target, whereas the previous target on Fox News, that is Laura Ingram, who was attacked for um, a tweet that she issued about anti-gun student activist David Hogg after the Florida high school shooting. She uh, issued a tweet which was the mildest of critiques. It wasn't even a criticism at all. It was just a comment. Hogg turned around and uh, tried to get behind a boycott of her. And actually, there is reporting very recently that that boycott has uh, hit pay dirt that more than 20 of her sponsors have ditched her Fox News program even though her ratings, her Nielsen ratings for her show, are up since she returned from vacation two weeks ago tonight. And I I went into this in depth in my article. So a few days ago, it looked like the news was more unequivocally better for Laura Ingram. But over the weekend, additional news came out that indeed uh, her sponsors, a great number of them, her national sponsors, have deserted her. So... These uh, enemies of free speech and Fox News are having an impact. They have wounded, at the very least, Laura Ingram and Sean Hannity. And uh, we just have to keep paying close attention to what's happening because the battle is not yet over. See, and, but and, and, and Peter, I, I don't mean, mean to inter- interrupt, but, you know, it's uh, now CNBC reporting, of course, that uh, Sean Hannity took out two and a half million dollars in loans you talked you referenced this um last year secured by his and i quote his mansion or sprawling mansion on long island new york the um the level of envy jealousy uh by these progressive lobotomized liberal fascist bastards at anyone who is successful is is beyond comprehension to me. Uh, clarify for me, though. Sean, did, did not Sean Hannity say that uh, the relationship between him and Cohen, there was really no, um, no nothing major, right? I'm not even sure how to describe. He said he did not pay him a retainer. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was nothing. Limited to, except for limited to real estate dealings, right? Right. Right. He Hannity has said so far that it was a casual relationship of a friend to a friend. Uh, in other words, they knew each other for quite some time, and rarely or occasionally, according to Hannity, he, Sean Hannity, would ask for some uh, casual advice purportedly relating to real estate investments from his friend, uh, attorney, Cohen, and that's all that's right. on the record so far. Right. But now you see we have these journalistic entities which have a lot of time on their hands to go digging. And of course, the Guardian article today and every other article that references the Guardian article, which is the one that put this on the record today, early this morning, Eastern Time, they of course, the Guardian mentions Hannity, who makes $36 million a year from his broadcasting endeavors and He's uh, supposedly invested 
or part of an investment that's totaling almost $90 million in real estate. So these very large figures are flying now. And again, this this is a battle of attrition to uh, sully his reputation and to make him far less of a sympathetic figure who should be trusted or listened to. And it doesn't matter if he actually did anything wrong. I mean, we'll find out eventually, I'm sure, because they're probably enterprising prosecutors out there who will be digging as well into his uh, financial background. But even if he's never charged with anything, uh, the damage will have been done. Just as we see, the damage has been done, is being done, and will be done to President Donald Trump, even though nothing substantial has come up. So far, but you know, I just wanted to summarize in the last week or two, and, and Doug, you were doing some of this as you uh, before you brought me on. But we now have basically smoking guns all over the place to confirm that since 2016, if not earlier, the fix was in to get Hillary Clinton elected, and then by the previous regime, the administration of Barack Hussein Obama and the shadow government and deep state that he controlled, many of whose members in the bureaucracies he put into their positions of power. When it looked in 2016, as the election process was going along, that maybe, just maybe, Donald Trump might actually win, well, that's when they really started playing hardball, got the FISA warrant to surveil Carter Page, uh, and in so doing, an unknown number of other associates of Donald Trump and very likely Donald Trump himself caught on listening devices, wiretaps, and perhaps even email or internet surveillance, we don't know. And this has now come into full blossom with the Mueller investigation, the the Comey revelations, and yet to this day, uh, almost two years later now, we're two years beyond 2016 and the height of the campaign, nothing substantial has been turned up. So where is the investigation going now? To Michael Cohen. And today, by the way, Alan Dershowitz, the liberal Democrat who voted for Hillary Clinton, has an excellent piece, his latest piece, uh, this time published in The Hill, and uh, let's see if I can get the title of this here. It's titled, The Epic Struggle for Michael Cohen's Soul and Testimony. And he deconstructs what's going on with Mueller's shaking down or attempt to shake down and make a friendly state's evidence witness of Donald Trump's longtime friend and attorney, Michael Cohen. And in the context of this article, uh, Professor Dershowitz mentions that a typical technique of people like uh, Special Counsel Mueller is to threaten witnesses like Michael Cohen with jail time with the implication that they will be raped in jail. So, you know, subjected to homosexual rape. So this is the kind of business that's going on in our legal system today, and it's 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 beyond description for its depravity and its unconstitutionality. And thank God we have somebody like Alan Dershowitz who can not be dismissed as a right-wing or conservative fanatic. He is an unabashed left-wing fanatic, and yet he is a civil libertarian, true to some principles, fortunately. And he's been writing 
and broadcasting commentary on this increasingly in recent months. Today at American Thinker, uh, someone posted a comment, and I just wanted to quote a bit of it because uh, frequently the comments that people post are uh, better than any of the reportage that we actually see in the mainstream media. And this was an example of that. It was uh, posted at my article today about uh, Devin Nunez, which appeared today both at American Thinker and at the Hagman Report. And this person said, and I quote, probably the greatest damage the left has done to our country the last several decades is the complete destruction of the rule of law. And this is me. Isn't that what we're talking about here in the big picture? I go on. Every institution that was created to protect the lawful and punish the criminals has been corrupted or destroyed. The Democrats have successfully eliminated any possibility of crime and punishment and have been able to get away with any crime that they wish. At the same time, people who oppose their leftist agenda are punished beyond belief for imaginary and fake crimes and missteps. The Justice Department, FBI, CIA, courts across the land, police departments, and Congress are paralyzed in their pursuit for justice against the dozens of criminals pursuing the destruction of President Trump. Now that to me summarizes what we're talking about better than anything I have come up with or could come up with spontaneously. So God bless that commenter at American Thinker today. And Dershowitz, he's been a a very vocal advocate for or against the Robert Mueller probe and for President Trump. And I want to ask you this, and, and Peter, you might not have the answer to this, but I'd like to get your insight. Do you believe that, one, the Cohen raid and the announcement that he was under criminal investigation for months, do you believe that to be true? And then uh, after that, do you think that Cohen was targeted specifically because he had not only had dealings with the president but also with Sean Hannity, that they thought they could you know, get the information not only about Trump but also dis- try to discredit Sean Hannity at the same time? Here's where we put our conspiracy theorist hats on. Yep. Yes, okay. absolutely. Right. I mean, that thought did not occur to me a week ago, but it has occurred in, in recent hours because we see that uh, Sean Hannity, unfortunately, could be up to his eyeballs in this mess. Uh, not that, again, he's probably guilty quote-unquote, of anything, but you don't have to be. It's a matter of perception. This is a widening circle trying to ensnare anyone who's had anything to do with or to comment on President Trump. Now, uh, the powers that be, the the mainstream media, the deep state, etc., have been targeting Hannity for months, as I've been reporting and as we've been discussing. And most recently, that has come down to an attempt to suggest, to build on this this picture, uh, this cartoonish picture of President Trump as some kind of idiot who doesn't know anything, he, he's ignorant, he's dumb, all he does is watch TV and Fox News at that, and he gets all of his information from, Sean, from the likes of Sean Hannity. In fact, the Washington Post and several other major mainstream outlets in, in recent week or two have done articles on this very topic on how Sean Hannity 
is kind of the is Donald Trump's brain, and of course Hannity is also pictured cartoon-like in the media as some kind of idiot who never finished college and he doesn't know anything, but you know he's just wearing a tinfoil hat when he broadcasts whatever. So, but you know that was a hard number. That was a hard uh, one to really make stick. But now they're they're putting some meat on the bone here with these. Uh, insinuations that Hannity perhaps uh, used his position for ill-gotten gains in the real estate market and maybe with the help of this lately discredited figure or about to be discredited if not indicted and charged attorney Cohen and it's you know when you when you take a step back again and you try to imagine the so-called ordinary American out there who has some interest in current events and politics maybe and how in the world is he or she going to make any sense out of this? It, when, when you have the ability and the time on your hands like we do uh, of necessity to spend every waking moment and then some trying to make sense out of all this reporting, uh, you can barely get a grasp of it because it's, it is coming so fast and furious. And, and that's part of the psyop, as I've said before, this, this constant psyop of, of the daily news cycle that's being hurled at us is not only impossible to keep up with, but eventually you get to a point of despair that they, that they've really got you. And how how can you possibly get out from under the weight of of the big lie that's just cloned itself all over the place? But anyway, the average, and I say average in quotes, interested citizen. Uh, maybe with some common sense and an interest in politics and, and a patriot at that, you know, God help them trying to make sense out of all this. And that's what the designers of these psyops have in mind. They are snowing us with all of this detail, with all of this conflicting information from both sides of the political spectrum, and then reinforced what what the mainstream media does day in and day out, minute by minute, is to reinforce the big lies at least 95% of the time. So, you know, I really don't know where, where we go at this point. It's, well, it's, it's, if, if I can interject this, Peter, and, and uh, to, to the listeners and viewers of this program, Peter, uh, Peter Barry Chaka was on our show months ago outlining that basically saying that uh, Sean Hannity was in the crosshairs. We see it today. That months ago, saying Sean Hannity was a target and is in the crosshairs. They didn't get their first attempt. We, right. What do, what do we see today? We see, <laughs> this is validation of what Peter Barry Chowka had said months ago on this platform. You're reading those the headlines to, or uh, uh, Peter was well in advance of the headlines uh, of today, and this is why what you just said, Peter, about the amount of information and, and the disinformation and muddling through all of this. It is so important for people to, to to have people like you where they can trust, where you're able to dissect the various uh, news, and it's no small or easy feat to do. So I'm going to thank you for that, and I want to urge everyone, whether it's at American Thinker or HagmanReport.com, you've got to follow Barry, Peter Barry Chaka on Twitter. It is critical because you're getting tomorrow's news today. You're getting news that's going to hit in the summer today. 
And I just want to say, your relationship with Sean Hannity um, is so important because yeah, you're bringing the truth out, countering the disinformation and misinformation. I just want to mention, lastly, I found it very interesting. Uh, the Daily Beast reported that Stormy Daniels' lawyer says Fox News' Sean Hannity is, quote, screwed. Now, these are their words, not mine. The extent, and I'm quoting this, the extent of that relationship, I think, will be very embarrassing to Sean Hannity. This, uh, uh, let's see, on Michael Cohen re- uh, naming Fox News' host, uh, the Fox News host is one of his clients, Michael uh, Avenatti, the attorney, that's what he said. That's what he said, the attorney, Avenatti, said about Cohen and Hannity. So, thank you for your reporting. I guess I said all of that just to make sure people understand that you were ahead of the, so far ahead of the game on this. And Thank uh, you, Doug. I, I appreciate your putting that into context. And my, my crystal ball is off camera, but I consult it at least <laughs> once a day. I, I, th- I think you, I think you kind of kind of rub the head of uh, uh, Biggie or Lulu and, and get that information that way. But, but no, I mean it's it's incredible to to it, to me it's incredible as from where I sit. And you said that was uh, Stormy Daniels' lawyer, uh, Avenatti. Uh, isn't yeah. that how you pronounce okay. his name, Avenatti? Avenatti. Yeah, and he Avenatti is making noises. Yeah, the lawyer yeah. that is for Stormy Daniels. That he's considering maybe running for office when this has run its course. Wouldn't that seem appropriate? He could take his place very well with the Democrat members of uh, the United States Congress right up there with. By the way, did you see um, Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in the World list last week? I wrote about that in the context of one of my articles uh, that mentioned Sean Hannity because Sean Hannity, amazingly enough, was added to that list. There were three conservatives on it that I could count, Sean Hannity, President Trump, and uh, Roseanne Barr, assuming she's a bona fide conservative. I don't think she is, Peter, but yeah. Right, maybe two and a half conservatives, you know. Uh, and, and looking at that list, at least uh, 80% of them, and I like to think I keep up with news and current events, 80% of them, I could, the names I could not identify, it was a very internationalist, globalist list, and I emailed Sean uh, about that. I congratulated him, and he replied right away, right before his show on Friday, and he said, thanks, but lists like this are meaningless. <laughs> and I thought that was so perfect because Sean on email is usually a, a man of few words. He gets right to the point. He's no-nonsense. He's down-to-earth, and he's actually quite humble. So I thought... What a, what a perfect summary for Times 100, the list of the 100 most influential people in the world. It's essentially meaningless, and that's what it is. And I went back and looked at that list. They started it about a decade and a half ago, and uh, it, it's a hair-raising enterprise if you have the the uh, stamina to go back and it's easy to find the names are all still online of the previous list but of course Barack Hussein Obama I think was the winner for the most often cited name on the list since he's been around and I believe also uh, holding forth with him in that title was Oprah Winfrey who also made the list again this year uh, Mr. Obama did not although he wrote Obama wrote the write-up for the five students from the Florida high school, including Emma Gonzalez and David Hogg, and Obama wrote, 
their little write-up for Time magazine. But hmm. uh, I, you know, I, I had this thought too to try to you know share with the audience how do I deal with all of this crap basically that's being hurled at us 24/7, and I, I revert to my interest in history. And I like to think that's maybe one thing I can bring to this weekly appearance here is is the wider, broader view. So just to draw, draw the lens back a moment and to comment on a thought I had within the last week of history has largely, the lack of history, the denial of history in our country in recent years and decades has allowed us to it's another factor in the mess that we find ourselves in because Americans, certainly younger Americans who've made it through the educational system don't know history at all because basically it's no longer taught and when you contrast that to when the time I was coming up to return to an anecdotal reference here in grade school in the late 50s, early 60s, and then into the 60s in high school, when it was a period of the American century, when we not only had prayer in school until 1962, but we actually had real history, American history, taught in the grade schools and the high schools. And not a twisted history, but a history that respected the founding of this country, the Constitution, the, the the original presidents. I mean, the whole panoply of exciting, dynamic, historical facts that came to life when history was taught when I was coming up. And not only that, but the popular culture of that time, unlike today's, was replete with historical programs, both fictional and non-fictional. Just to cite one example, the Walt Disney program, which came on the air on the network on ABC in 1955 and then went to NBC in color a few years later, early on uh, in its weekly one-hour program presented a lot of fictional shows about American history. Daniel Boone was one of the most famous but then there was one they broadcast uh, in 1957 or 58, which I never forgot. It was called Johnny Tremaine. It was about a fictional historical figure of the American Revolution who was uh, a an assistant or an apprentice to silversmith Paul Revere, famous for Paul Revere's ride to announce to neighboring towns in Massachusetts that the British are coming, a hero of the American Revolution. So this fictional character, Johnny Tremaine, was the subject of this two-part, two-hour Walt Disney movie. Now, that made such an impression on me at that young age. I was in second grade at the time, I think, that I never forgot it, although uh, I was reminded of it about four or five years ago when the Turner Classic Movies channel started doing a an evening of Walt Disney films and television programs every three months. And they showed this Johnny Tremaine film. So for the first time in almost five decades, I, I saw it again, having not seen it since I was in second grade. And it just took me right back to the first time that I saw it. And the indelible, lifelong impression that this patriotic drama meant, you know, flawlessly done, I mean, captivating, dramatic, uh, unforgettable and you look at the landscape today of the sewer pipe that comes out of Hollywood and New York 
Los Angeles, the absolute garbage that, that is fed into our minds, whatever age we are, children, teenagers, and adults. And I heard uh, William Friedkin on Laura Ingram's show last week. Friedkin, of course, made The Exorcist, the film in the early 70s. And now he has made a documentary on real-life exorcisms. He is a man of faith and a conservative. And he said that he seldom watches any new movies, any current movies, because they're not worth watching. And Laura Ingram said the same thing. And I echo that. Uh, you'd have to strap me in to a chair to watch anything current that's on television or movies because 99% of it is, is mind control garbage. By the way, speaking of mind control, did you happen to see this report which broke last, um, was Friday the 20th? Uh, this came out of a uh, website called Muck Rock, and an individual, an investigator named Curtis, Curtis Waltman, W-A-L-T-M-A-N. And the, his work was broken by the Daily Mail, the British publication, again on April 20th, so that was Friday. The title of the article was U.S. Government Accidentally Sends a Strange Conspiracy Theory File Describing Remote Mind Control and Forced Memory Blanking. Did you hear about this story at all? Well, Peter, uh, to be honest, we've been on the road since Friday, getting back just last evening, and had not had a lot of time to look at the news, and I have not well, heard not about only that, that, but that Joe, sounds Not only that, that, that that's, that's a, a great reason not to have seen it, but... It's got very little uh, coverage. The Daily Mail did it. Hmm. Uh, there was an article at Infowars about it, but you would think <laughs> that some revelation like this would explode onto the scene. Yeah, so you, I'll, would, I, you would think. I'll, I'll just summarize it briefly. Uh, this uh, investigative uh, reporter named Curtis Waltman at Muckrock which I, 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 it's hard to find out anything about that website. It's a website that encourages people to file freedom of information requests of different government agencies. So this individual filed a, a freedom of information request of the state of Washington for some, uh, uh, some documents, and what was eventually returned to him included a zip file, which had... Uh, Graphics pointing to, uh, I don't even know how to summarize this. It's so mind-boggling. Uh, you just really have to look at it for yourself. It, it, it's, it's how governments or private entities or somebody have been working for years to literally perfect uh, mind control yeah. on subjects using state-of-the-art, distant technologies. That's the best way I can summarize it. It's just absolutely, your mouth drops open when you're looking at this material. So it has put on the record, and this came from the official Washington state government, presumably by mistake. The Daily Mail article, I think, tries to uh, figure out how could this material have been sent to this investigator. It certainly looks like it was a mistake, so we don't know. But 
I assume that he, this individual, is following up on it, and I hope that there are other enterprising reporters taking the bait here and looking into this because it really is, again, putting more meat on the bone of what we've seen. And and in researching this, the little bit that I had time to do, uh, using archive.org, I came across uh, some other material. One article called Massive New Brain Projects, Secret Science and Emerging Cold War Weapons. The Threats Are Real. This is an article by a Cheryl Welsh, W-E-L-S-H, from several years back, which I found at archive.org. So uh, suddenly this new revelation, these new documents, which can be easily downloaded if you go to muckrack, no, muckrock, I should probably spell that out here for anyone interested in tracking this down, M-U-C-K-R-O-C-K dot com. And it's there on the home page, the links to it. And you can download the files and just look at them. And it's uh, a real trip, as we used to say. But it's definitely grounds for further research. But, oh, I just want to make this point quickly, too, in terms of the history. And, and why is history important? And I had I had this, this, this thought go off in my brain within the last week as we are now reaching the total ahistorical or anti-historical society with statues being taken down and uh, history being expunged, whatever. But what is history after all? The history of Western civilization, which most of us listeners, viewers, and readers to these platforms pay attention to, began 2,000 years ago in the Middle East, right, at the time uh, Jesus Christ was on the planet and the New Testament derived from that period and that's what many of us follow as the beginning of Western history and that helped to inform and propel the rise of Western civilization over the next 2,000 years through the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages, the Renaissance, the uh, Reformation, the Enlightenment and then uh, the exploration of the New World and the founding of the United States of America, which obviously was a, a stunning advance in the history of mankind, based as it was, deriving its inspiration from the rights of man given to us by our Creator. So that's where history began and more recent history of the last 50 years or the last 200 years is equally important to us as we go forward. So to deny any part of this history as the powers that be have been, of course, denying the history that took place 2,000 years ago. I mean, it's it's largely now becoming uh, potentially illegal to even talk about it. And I noticed, Joe, that you posted an article at Hagman Report today, the video from One American News about the legislation introduced in, again, the California legislature uh, this time up to, uh, as this uh, guest on One American News said, to criminalize the Bible. Actually, yeah. when you look into it, what it does is uh, it, uh, it, it, it forbids this conversion therapy exactly. to be used in the state of California on adults. It's already been forbidden on children or minors under 18. Now it will make it delegit 
for anyone of any age. And what some who have studied this are saying is this clearly opens the door to an eventual criminalizing of biblical quotations or speech yeah. because that's next. And even if it's not in, clearly, this legislation, we know that these individuals who are behind this kind of stuff, that that is their endpoint uh, in, in their bigger objectives. So It uh, is, Peter, and, look you, and you summarize that real well. And just to be clear, what it's talking about is not a banning of the Bible. It's talking about criminalizing that sexual reorientation therapy and saying that the Bible would be classified under that because of how it talks about homosexuality as being a sin and, and perverse, and therefore uh, it, the Bible would fall under that category. So it's definitely very alarming. And to me, it is an end around uh, to getting things like the Bible banned in the state of California and in America, and it's very concerning. I don't think it will obviously go anywhere, but uh, you know, this is what their plan is, and this is what how they're going to roll it out. And just to let you know, Peter, I found the article on the Washington State Fusion Center accidentally releasing records on remote mind control, and I will post this on Hagman Report um, as soon as I as soon as we get off the show. So thank you for pointing that out to us. Yeah, definitely. Th- very th- thanks for your observations on that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we really need to shout that one from the rooftops. And I'm going to be looking into it more myself. But all credit at this point goes to this individual at Muck Rock, Curtis Waltman, and uh, the the several articles that have appeared since then in the Daily Mail and at Infowars have basically built on his work. So it shows what an enterprising individual who knows how to search for information can really hit pay dirt. Yeah, and Peter, Uh, I don't know if you... uh got into this or if any of the articles that you read about this topic got into this, but under the Obama administration, one of the main initiatives that he rolled out under the scientific initiatives was mapping the brain. And in this document, it uh, it references remote brain mapping and how to use electromagnetic frequencies to remote control people's minds and thoughts. And I just, and, and obviously this publication of uh, this mind control comes from maybe the 80s, early 90s, decades before Obama laid out the brain mapping initiative. So um, it's 74, in 1974. So yeah, this 30, 40 years before Obama rolled that out. So very interesting connections, and especially how um, everything we've seen since then. It's I wonder how much of this is actually in application right now and to what extent they're able to to control people. Exactly. There's no date. There's not a date on this graphic material that was part of the presumed accidental release by the state of Washington to this individual following the FOIA request. So it does look like it probably predates current time, so we can only wonder what's going on now. And, of course, now the... uh, the powers that be have us all hooked up by the internet of everything and social media. And there, in fact, there's another article I read recently, the rule and control by algorithm. We hear oh, that yeah. term Mark. used a lot. Algorithm, you know, it's something that those of us who are not uh, steeped, you know, we're not techies from year one. We have to really get our feet wet on trying to understand this one, and I'm not sure that actually anybody does, but 
it's going on out there and, and we have to try to be aware of it. And it's also really interesting to look into too. It's fascinating. But when you couple all of this stuff going on, this, uh, control, and I would say that again, to, to take the lens back a, a step to a more wide angle view, what we're talking about here in the big picture is control. We are under tighter and tighter control as individuals in this country and in the world now. And the model apparently is for this future is Red China, where a lot of our technology that has been researched and uh, uh, on the way to perfection has been exported or stolen to or stolen by Red China. And they are the ones really perfecting it now. And it's going to come back here. It already is onto us because of the transnational uh, alliance of all of these social media and companies like Google, Facebook, Twitter, which are all international and are very willing to work with the restrictions in a place like a communist red China. So it, it's like a, a transnational, internationalist, global control grid matrix that's coming down on us. And obviously, to wrap it up with a bow, the reason that President Trump has got to be taken down is that he's the one who is not part of this bigger plan that has been in effect now for decades, if not longer. And there it is. There it is. Very eloquently stated that there it is. Thank you. It's it's just that simple, but the complexities of the plan that are, that's being exposed uh, certainly uh, verifies that statement. But boy, right on the money. And everything, you know, the, the news events that we see, once you have, once you have this bigger picture kind of in mind, if you're old enough to have a vantage point or young enough and well informed, and, and you, you see this big picture, this between the lines connecting the dots picture, more and more of the isolated or seemingly isolated news events that are coming out day by day fit a pattern of how they are part of this control grid, this unholy evil alliance to destroy us as individuals, people of faith, people of belief, and people of freedom. And all of that is going fast. And the word that's been resonating in my mind in the past week or so is is entropy. There was a book published in 1980 by Jeremy, Jeremy Rifkin, titled Entropy, and he, on the left, was predicting that the future would be entropy. And by the way, the, the term entropy has a definition in physics, but it has another definition, meaning the gradual decline into disorder. Now, Rifkin was saying that, well, this was going to happen, this entropy future, this disorder, because of environmental degradation and collapse and climate change and all of that. Way back almost 40 years ago, he was predicting that. But I think we can attach that word entropy to maybe our civilization, that Western civilization is approaching the point of entropy where it's so in such a state of disorder now that will we be able to fix it. And I, I continue to think and hope that we can. And I look back to the experience we had less than two years ago when through, I think, arguably divine intervention, we dodged a bullet 
and got President Donald Trump instead of Hillary Clinton. And that gave us a reprieve for a time at least. And now, and through that reprieve, we have learned so much about what is really going on in our world. One year ago tonight, none of us, the smartest person on the planet, could not have predicted with any accuracy or certainty what would evolve in the next year. And yet here we are with all of this information, all of this insight that has come to the fore through the work of people like Sean Hannity, you guys, citizen journalists, uh, the alternative media, talk radio. And you. And and you. That's right. Peter Barry Chaga, the now, intellectual giant. Now it's giant. up to us, listeners, viewers, readers. The challenge is right before us, and uh, we better be up to that challenge, or we're going to lose it all. Amen. Amen. That's right on the money. Peter Barry Chalka, as always, brilliant, articulate, right, right, cutting right through the heart of everything. Uh, follow Peter on Twitter at Pete Chalka. Thank you. Yes, Pete Chalka. Also, his column on the right hand side that, uh, on Hagman Report, you can get all of his articles as well as at American Thinker. And he joins us each Monday here in the third hour. Peter, thank you so much. Segment of between thank you the guys. Lines. God bless. Till next week. All right. God bless Thanks, you brother. too. That'll do it for us today. We'll be back tomorrow morning. The Doug Hagman Radio Show, then two to three, the Hagman Daily Show, followed by Hagman Report back here at 7 p.m. Have a great night. 